time to down your unders. Down your unders. The Frontline Gaming Network brings to you Art of War. Down Under. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Hello and welcome everybody to this episode 17 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. My name is Adam Camilleri and I am joined by the incredible Jeremy Marigold. How you doing my brother? Hey Adam, how are you? Thanks for having me. Nah, dude, my pleasure to be here. So um, you are the guy I turn to to talk about Death Watch. In fact, you are the guy who told me I need to play Death Watch when I was kind of struggling for a faction to to jump onto in the Space Marine Battery. You say, here, take my Death Watch and go. And I went and I got like three podiums on three in three events with him. So that was uh, pretty awesome. And that was because you you chucked a bunch of... Well, firstly, I'd played against you and your Death Watch more than I'd played against everything else, especially in the prep for WTC that year. And on top of that, you just said, here's a reliable army that can... You know, it won't get, it won't roll over. And so I brought you one because we're going to be reviewing the the um the Death Watch Codex, and uh, but just need to let everybody know this thing is phenomenal. It might not be that chunky, but it's a really cool book. And um, if anybody doesn't know who Jeremy is, Jeremy is a, a three-time CanCon champion, which is the biggest, most uh, prestigious event in Australia. In all of Australia, he is a member of the 2019 Australian WCT WTC team, and also. Um, you were you won the ITC for Australia, didn't you? Was that the was that 2016 or 2017? Yeah, it was. I think the 27. I don't know. The season was it was with the Bark Bark Star, so it was the year that um yeah, right, yeah, dirty, dirty dirty yeah the end of seventh edition. Mm. Mm. Dirty, dirty, dirty. Um, but yeah, Jamie is a, a very close friend of mine. He's actually this is his third time on the podcast as well, rivaling rivaling uh the the mighty Morisoli for okay. three times a piece. But we're here to talk about um. We're here to talk about Death Watch. So, for those of you who don't know, this is a, this is a two-part podcast. This first part, we're going to be re- literally just reviewing cover to cover all the special rules and all the, I guess, the match play relevant rules from the, the Death Watch Codex. We're going to hit it starting from page 33. If you want to jump to that page and follow along at home, and we're going to be literally go through line by line and talk about what we think about it. Um, but part two of this will be me and Jeremy talking about writing lists with this book. Jeremy's already got a couple of great ideas for some archetypes and some lists that he thinks he wants to start playing out of this, and um, that can be found on our Patreon. Now, the, the perks that patrons get for signing up with us. Firstly, they get this episode and the part two released a week earlier than everybody else. Um, on top of that, they get the part two, which uh, won't get released to public consumption. Um, and secondary, like we had the Space Wolves and Death Watch Codex come out at the same time, and I got the patrons to vote on which one they wanted me to do first. And nudging them out by only about four votes, the Death Watch won over the Space Wolves. So we're doing Space Wolves um, the week after. But anyway, jumping into this, Jez, you've had a, you've had a good op- opportunity to absorb and I guess inhale this book. What is what was your first impressions once you'd uh, pretty much got to the end of it the first time through? All right, well, f- um, well, start with I just want to thank you for having me on, Adam. Um, it's always a pleasure to be here. And I mean, obviously, a Death Watcher close to my heart. Um, they were an army I always liked as a kid, and I've been playing them for a couple of years now, including a couple of CanCon podiums with them. And obviously, mm-hmm. I played them as my army last year at WTC. And yeah, you did. They obviously. And for people that are Death Watch players, you know, you'll know that Death Watch have been a, somewhat of a uh, niche arm to the, the predominant most of eight. There was that period there that they really were on top of the meta when they gained the Bolter Discipline, mm-hmm. which they could combo with special ammo. But outside of that brief two or three month window before it got uh, FAQ'd, Death Watch weren't really a tier A list. They were closer to probably a tier B army. Mm-hmm. But yeah. and played well, they were very strong. Um, what we can see with the new book is that because 
previously Death Watch with their own codex and they just didn't get everything out of Space Marines. There was a bit of dearth of options when it came to what you could do with them. Uh, whereas now they pretty much get access to all the Space Marine stuff and more. So, yeah, at the moment, they just seem like better Space Marines. I mean, I know that we still have quite a few supplements to to get. Uh, we were expecting, obviously, Blood Angels probably to be quite good, maybe Ultramarines mm. to be quite good. But nonetheless, at the moment, I would say Death Watch are the best Space Marine uh, faction available, and we'll go into the reasons for that as we go. Yeah, I think that's a big call, but it's actually a call that I, I absolutely back right now. I think um, once you, we get to the end of this, guys, you'll, you'll see it's pretty apparent that the just the the depth of opportunity you have in playing this book is phenomenal. Now, I played I played um, Death Watch for about six months straight towards the end of 8th edition, and so that was in the Space Marine meta. And the reason that um, they were good then, or they are able to hold up, is because they had this reliable spine that was this duality of a 2-plus armor save on a Terminator and a kill team, and then massed 3-plus invulnerable saves elsewhere. So you just had the opportunity to stay on the board. Now, I, I think that might have fundamentally changed, and the, reason, the reasons you play Death Watch have changed. You're not taking them for their resilience, their, them being, e.g., like a, of a similar ilk to Iron Hand, you take a resilient Space Marine army. Um, they, they're, they're a complete toolbox faction now, and um, they're, they're all-encompassing of themselves. Whereas before, I, I don't think I've ever seen you take a pure Death Watch army. I certainly haven't taken a pure Death Watch army, but I've seen them, and they have been quite successful at times. Uh, I do think that you will see, 100% see death, pure Death Watch armies now. Well, now you don't. I mean, obviously, you get a lot of bonuses for, bits for, for remaining pure in terms of uh, you know, just you just don't have to spend CP. It used to be that when you yeah. pulled in allies, you would gain CP. You know, you take a Blood Angels Battalion, get a couple of Smash mm. Captains, and get extra CP. Now it's the opposite. So you don't really need the allies as much. Uh, and not only that, but obviously we actually now get a bonus for being a mono. You get your uh, mission tactics, I believe. Um, yeah. So And they're quite good, which we'll, we'll obviously touch on soon. But yeah, I do think you'll see a lot of mono Death Watch armies. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I don't think you need to be, as every unit from your army uh, has the Death Watch keyword, then every unit has the um, Combat Doctrine's ability. Yeah, so you do, you're absolutely right. And um, so we're jumping into pretty much reading from the book now. So Mission Tactics. Um, last time Mission Tactics was at the start of the game, you would pick a, um, a what is it, a, a unit option, e.g. troops, heavy support, fast attack, elites, whatever, and you would get real ones to wound against them in both shooting and combat, I believe. If that's, I, I yeah, just that's can't remember if it was combat. But, and that's um, now but now... That's now become their chapter tactic. So for those, obviously, yeah. Women, so they already they keep that. So they haven't lost that ability. That just becomes their chapter tactic. But now they mm. gain this mission tactics is now their effectively, effectively their, their super doctrine kind of. Yeah. So I'll read this out verbatim. Um, do not use so mission tactics. Do not use the rules in Codex Space Marine to determine which combat doctrine is active for your army during each battle round. Instead, at the start of each battle round, select the devastated doctrine, tactical doctrine, or assault doctrine. This the combat doctrine you select is active for your army until the end of the battle round. Note, however, that when selecting a combat doctrine at the start of the battle round, you can't select devastator to be active more than once. Can't have tactical active more than twice, and you can't have assault active more than three times. But that lets you pick and choose as the ebb and flow of the game goes on. Which one you're gonna you're gonna start in? Which one you're gonna ending which one you're going to be in the middle and i think that offers a wealth of um variance and uh, efficiency out the roof straight off the bat it is uh, crazy deep what you can do with that it kind of feels a bit like what necron's got when necron's got their their bunch of essentially what felt like um ad mech 
tentacles that they could choose before the game as like wrote it down and, and kind of play close to your chest like a poker player this one seems to be a little bit better than that this one you can just be like oh i'm in trouble this turn uh, i guess we're going and i'm gonna get charged I guess we're going assault doctrine uh i'm gonna i'm gonna have a great great um rapid fire turn I guess we're going tactical doctrine but what are your thoughts here jez as a, as a um, death watch guru? i actually think i don't want to be a naysayer because I, I to be honest i've got a lot of amazing things to say about death watch so don't don't you know uh, get the wrong idea. <laughs> but I think this is a, it sounds a lot better than it is. The reason being mm-hmm. that Death Watch typically want to come down, like shoot for a turn or two, and then obviously probably go into Assault Doctrine from turn three or four. And, and once things start to get whittled down, the game starts to become scrappy, get the benefit of the Assault Doctrine. So typically Death Watch are going to want to um, be in tactical and or Assault Doctrine from turn two onwards. What this mm-hmm. does allow you to do is not blow your Devastator Doctrine on turn one. Um, if you yep. don't have any reason to use Devastator Doctrine on turn one, you can just hold it and just waste, like, blow an Assault Doctrine that you might not need three of them. Mm. And then it means you have Devastator Doctrine in your pocket for turns. Maybe you drop a unit that has a lot of heavy weapons. It might be, for example, a unit that has Cyclone Missile Terminators or, you know, whatever it might be. You can then use the Devastator Doctrine on a selective turn, but when we do go ahead and, and kind of start writing lists, I don't feel like Death Watch is going to go down that route, road, road yep. of running a lot of heavy weapons. So I actually think most likely a lot of armies will just use heavy in turn one and then just be mm. selecting whether they need... I mean, it's good because you can kind of go from assault to tactical to assault to tactical. Yeah, that is very exactly good. right. That is cool, but I don't think it's as good as it seems. But mm. nonetheless, well, it's really cool. I agree it's not game-breaking. Um, but yeah, well, I think you, you, you knocked the hell. So you hit the nail on the head. The amount of heavy weapons that are that get used consistently by Death Watch. Well, in the in the Death Watch armies of the past, we're, we're quite minimal. And unless we see a massive pivot into things like um, heavy intercessors, hellblasters, uh, devastators, things like that, things of that ilk, I don't expect that to change. So you were right. I do fully expect the devastator doctrine to get dumped uh, first turn, merely to get it out of the way. Because I believe, and you know, this this you think about a lot of the armies you face now. Let's say you rock up and you're against horde orcs, yeah, or demons. You're like, man, I am so going to be in combat turn two. You go straight into assault doctrine. Oh, you beat back the first wave. Go into tactical. You get that. Oh, you're, now I'm going to charge aggressively back into assault doctrine. You're absolutely right. That is, I think, is where the power is. I think this is. Um, something that the best players are going to get the most out of but it's something that can be utilized across the board this isn't a this isn't something that only the elite of death watch are going to get to use everyone's going to get to use this to a pretty good extent which is a reason why i like it which is i didn't like the necron one so much the necron one always has a skill cap on it this one is a lot more fluid but um the next page we're jumping over into into the is the stratagems now some of these are complete poured overs from the space marine codex and we won't we won't bother touching on those to, to much of an extent but the first one here is uh death to the alien this is one cp you use a stratagem in the fight phase when a death watch unit from your army is selected to fight to the end of that phase when the unit uh is within engagement range of any tyranid eldari or xenos any tyranid eldari orcs necrons or tower and from now on i'm just going to say xenos units add one to the attack characteristic of that unit so it's it's one cp plus one attack it's that's as simple as that against any xenos yeah. is it's, this something you see get much mileage out yeah, of i mean admittedly very, i think it's great okay. i think it's really good i mean obviously people would say well you know how many xenos armies are you going to play but it doesn't matter because when you play them you have this stratagem um exactly there's also a stratagem in the in the main, main marine book that gives you benefits against chaos so just being able to have these little toolbook stratagems I think it's really good. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like 
you pretty much whenever you're whenever you're going to play any of those armies, you're going to use this stratagem, especially because you can't fight twice anymore with Death Watch units apart from basically intercessor units. So uh, I feel as though this kind of offsets the fact you can't go in with the big kill team and fight twice like you used to be able to do. Yeah. You just go in, you pop this, and that will allow you to basically get the most out of those combat weapons. So I like it. Mm. I think the ones who did a bargain. Yeah, on top of that, you can get more mileage from it early because you can switch to to assault doctrine turn two turn one and then bang double down you got extra rend on extra attacks but anyway you want to grab the next one for us yeah okay prognosticating volley use the stratagem in your shooting phase when a death watch unit from your army is selected to shoot till the end of your phase each time a model in the unit makes a range attack against an eldari unit you can ignore any or hit roll and ballistic skill modifiers for that attack and it comes in at one cp is that a port over from the last one? I feel like that's exactly the same as it was in uh, the no, last edition. Before it, it, before it acted as an intercept when an Eldar unit with fly oh, of course. landed near you, shoot them. Mm. Um, this one, obviously, it just ignores modifiers. Ignore, you know, what do you think? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that one? Well, it, it, in to all intents and purposes, it's a 1 CP plus 1 to hit if they are negative 1 to hit. And for one C, getting plus 1 hit for 1 CP is good. It's, it's actually mean, quite are, good. Are, I think it's very good. And, and also, there's a little key, a nugget in that, and I'm sure you picked up on, which is where it says ignore all hit and ballistic skill modifiers. And that yes. obviously so, hints at what Eldar are going to get in the future. Yes. Because um, that, that is actually, you're exactly right. I think I, I was on another podcast and I said, I expect um, Eldar to still be minus two to hit, but minus two to hit in the fact that they'll debuff your ballistic skill and be minus one to hit innately. Um, and so, yeah, if that is the case, then this is as good as a plus two to hit, which is phenomenal. Yeah. Now, I mean, obviously, it just means that Eldar shenanigans won't work on Death Watch mm. as much. And that's already, we, we know that Eldar, when they eventually get their codex, are going to be very strong, um, just because that's how Eldar are. Like, they're such yeah. a <laughs> niche, I mean, they're such a niche army that they tend to never be bad when they get their codex. Um, mm. And they're very hard to balance. But nonetheless... I like it. It's obviously not going to get that much use now, but keep it in the pocket for when Eldar come out and get come back with a vengeance soon. Yeah, absolutely right. All right, next one. Synaptic Severance, 1 CP. Use this stratagem in your shooting phase or the fight phase. When a Death Watch unit from your army is selected to shoot or fight until the end of the phase, each time model in that unit makes an attack against a Tyranid Synapse unit and a modified hit roll of 6 automatically wounds the target. So there is another one in this, um, sorry, in the Space Marine Code that's called Gene Raw Might that's locked to Primaris models and that is a 6 to, six to hit always wounds. This one is for anything, any Death Watch unit. So you can use it on non on first Firstborn or whatever they are. Um, rather than just on Primaris. And essentially, it gives you two modes of getting that in the same turn, should you have a, a mixed, you know, Firstborn and Primaris army. Um, if, it being only working on Tyranid Synapse creatures uh, means that it, it is only really useful on the bigger stuff, which you want to auto-wind anyway, e.g. Hive Tyrants, you know, Maliceptors, yeah, whatever it is. This one's not very good. I mean, it, it was used to be quite interesting because you could target Synapse creatures as though you yeah. had a sniper. This is pretty, pretty, pretty bad. It's pretty bad, isn't it? It's not great. I mean, when you need it, it's going to be a nice little cherry, but the well, amount of times you're going to need it. You're, to, in my mind, if you're you're playing as a Tyranid army and you're able to charge and shoot their Sinus creatures, you're probably already winning. Yeah, I, I don't think you're... I couldn't imagine this being used unless you just really need to bring down that really big Hierophant or something that's just ridiculous and you just want as much damage as you uh, can yeah. But no, nah, this is not really that great. Fair enough. Jump on the next one then, brother. All right, adaptive tactics. Use this strategy in your command phase. If a Watchmaster unit from your army is on the battlefield, change the battlefield role selected for the purposes of Xenos Hunter's chapter tactic for your army. See Codex Space Marines. You can only use the stratagem once. So this is 2CP. It used to be 1CP uh, if you had mm -hmm. a Watchmaster. Now it's you can only use it if you have a Watchmaster, but it's still 2. Yep, and so how does it work? 
So, I mean, obviously in your command phase, you get to just swap your chapter tactics. So you might have picked troops as your chapter tactics, yep. so you get your real ones to win and get troops. But then you, for whatever reason, you might have killed a bunch of troops and they might have lots of elites left. So you spend your 2 CP in the command phase and then you change your chapter tactic to elites. And then suddenly you get rerolls to wound over your whole army against mm. elites. So it actually, whenever you, this is kind of one of those ones where we spoke about with Matt when we did the Marines review, whenever you use this stratagem, it's going to be good. It's going to be absolutely crazy good. It's going to be a bit of a game changer for your efficiency. Yeah, it is really. And, and there is are situations where like your opponent might have an army that's just like half elites, half troops. Like a good example yep. might be yep. Necron. They might have a bunch of Necron warriors, but lots of rates. And I, know, I think rates are actually fast attack. So yeah. you, you, you might be like, you know what? I'm going to start against rates because the rates are going to come at me. And then once mm. I've dealt with, you know, 12, you know, eight rates or 12 rates, then I'm going to pop this stratagem and then select troops. And therefore, in that situation, it's a really good stratagem. Um, but there are other ways to achieve this. There's a warlord trait that lets you select a unit. So yep. it, it might not be something you use that often, but as I said, when you use it, it is very good. I agree. Um, next one is Atonement Through Honor. Use this stratagem in your... Sorry, it's 1CP. Use this stratagem in your opponent's charge phase. Select one Death Watch unit from your army that contains a black shield. That unit can perform a heroic intervention this phase as if it were a character. Now, am I right in, in remembering that a black shield just used to give you heroic intervention and now you've got to pay a CP for it? Well, black shields... Yeah, it's, it's an interesting conversation that will come up later a little bit as well because black shields no longer can take within um, the veteran units. Sorry, the veteran kill teams. You can only take them in units of pure veterans now. Yeah, but yeah. They used to give you this, but the thing is, I never used to take them in my units, and people used to wonder mm. why. Um, and the reason why I didn't take them was because so, could, this is very high level stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Jess, I need to preface I mean, that. You used to be able to be forced into heroically intervening uh, previously, so people used yeah. to be able to come out and put their models um, basically an inch away from you. And uh, sorry, they used to be able to put their models in a, in a position where you had to heroically intervene um, mm -hmm. and you had to make uh, base with them. And that's the way basically it worked. And the way they could do that, just in case people want to know how it might work, because as people know, heroically intervene, you don't actually have to um, touch them. They, you could say to somebody that, that they've, you're, you know, you're, they've placed your model exactly one inch. So if you place your model exactly one inch away from them, then they were able to force you to heroically intervene. Sorry, if they do that to you, you would have to heroically intervene. You have to get closer, and then you get within yep. an inch because you were at exactly one inch. Yep. So if you used to take and if you think field, about the meta, yeah, well, yeah, there was a you think about the meta we used to play in 200, yeah. 200 plague bearers. I mean, you can shoot, you can shoot forty odd wound on two plus shot storm bolters from a death watch kill team before, or you can hit for twenty attacks in combat. And so yeah. people would run gaunts, plague bearers, nurglings up to your units, make them heroically intervene, and just shut down half your efficiency. Yeah, it was really, really brutal. And like it would almost never happen. But obviously, playing at the top tables, being able to be forced to heroically intervene and lose your Overwatch. And obviously, back then, Overwatch with, with Death Watch was very good. So mm. I never took up, um, you know, the Black Shields. But nonetheless, now it's a choice, which is really good because if you do have a Black Shield, you can't be exploited anymore. You're never going to have your yeah. Overwatch denied. You can always use that Overwatch if you want to, because it's obviously a stratagem now. 
So I think this is really good that it's a stratagem. I think it's good as a stratagem as well. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit, I thought, I wish Black Shields were more of a thing in this book. Now that I've, I've read through it, I wish they were more of a pivotal thing. I would love to have seen them be like a, a lieutenant option or a, an elite's choice character um, rather than being a, still being a, a, a weapon upgrade. Of an ilk of, say, a, um, a lone wolf in Space in space Wolves. Make that a Black Shield. I thought that would have been really cool. But um, yeah, they didn't go that way. And I still think Black Shields are cool and you might end up seeing them. Now, the next two, next two stratagems... Um, is sanction of the of the black vaults and a vigil unmatched. These are both the pay extra points, get extra wall traits and relics. So we're gonna and it's exactly the same as it was from the Space Ring book. So we're gonna dodge those and go straight to stem the green tide, which is two CP. So this one, I use stratagem in the charge phase after an enemy orc unit has declared a charge against one or more Deathwatch units from your army. The Deathwatch units that were selected as the target of that charge can fire Overwatch at that orc unit. Until the end of the phase, if any models from that orc unit are destroyed as a result of this Overwatch, subtract two from the charge rolls made for the unit. Now that's both. I feel like it's both a little bit better in context of ninth edition, but worse in context of what it was. Are you able to remember? You remember what it was back in the yeah, day? Yeah, what it used to do it, it when you fired Overwatch, you would use the stratagem, and then for every model you killed, the orc unit would subtract two inches from their charge. So if you killed three or four boys on Overwatch, they would be negative. I think it was. Maybe one inch per model, but they would be it maybe was, four or five was, inches. Yeah, yeah so it was could, one, one per kill. Yeah, you could effectively uh, make it so that your opponent just wouldn't get a charge off. They just couldn't mm-hmm. make charge you. Um, now, it's different because it obviously it's capped at negative two, but yep. the positives are obviously quite good as well because it lets you overwatch a second time. It gives you an ability to overwatch again. And it also, yep. if you only just kill that one model, you still get the negative two. So exactly right. It, it's it's good. In, it's I think it's quite good. I think in the in the context of ninth edition, this is an amazing strat. And for exactly the reasons you said, you can Overwatch twice in a turn. So you, it lets you it lets you build up this really hardy defensive structure if you want to. That will be like really punitive to charge for two units, not just one. And on top of that, there is a there is a psychic power we're going to get to later that that did break my brain for a little while for how much it, it did, and it combined with this. Is phenomenally good. Well, but what's really good about this as well is it basically makes your opponent unable to multi-charge because, as we know, with the multi-charge rule, they have to t- they have to be able to touch multiple. They have to be able to hit mm-hmm. engage every unit they charge. So yeah, they if they're like at a nine inch or 20, ten inch charge away, or even even closer, they might be six or seven inches away. They use this. You really can use this just to make it so that they very likely will fail their charge if they try mm-hmm. to multi-charge. So what you think about, about it? Yeah. The thing about Evil Suns charging from reserve, it would be an eight with a with a reroll, and now it's going to be a ten. That's because they have the yeah. plus one to plus one to charge. Uh, a ten from reserves is really hard, guys. It's really really hard. Very unreliable. Yeah. Um, do you want to tap the next one for us? Yeah, sure. The next one is priority doctrine adoption. Uh, use the strategy in your command phase. Select one Death Watch unit from your army, then use one. Uh, then select one combat doctrine until the start of your next command phase. That unit gains the bonus of that combat doctrine you selected instead of the active combat doctrine you can only use this strategy if every unit from your army is death watch as the death watch keyword um excluding yep. the agent of the imperium units and unaligned units yeah so that's excluding inquisition and assassins essentially or fortifications <laughs> um, yeah. but this i for one cp i like this a lot and this is the reason why the chapter tactics and sorry the the mission tactics aren't that great like the fact that this strategy exists just mm. means that manipulating your chapter tactics isn't as sorry mission tactics isn't as good with the doctrines but this is just amazing if you want that one unit 
Um, obviously, you use it in the command phase, but you might have that unit that happens to have heavy weapons, and you can just give it the Devastator Doctrine. Yeah. Um, whether it is a vehicle, you know, and, and that's the thing, it can be a vehicle. So you might have a vehicle that has lots of heavy weapons. You say, okay, well, this vehicle wants heavy doctrine. It might be something like a Redemptor Dreadnought, might, but whatever it is um, that happens mm. to have all the heavy weapons, and then it really becomes worth it. So I really like well, this, this particular doctrine. Well, the best thing about it is it doesn't say core or character. It just says no. Death Watch unit. You can use it on anything. It's the exact, you hit the nail on the head. It's perfect. Like Technically, you could just take a Fire Raptor or some crazy Forge wheel, a Mastodon, and just keep it for one CP, keep in Devastator Doctrine the entire game. Um, if you wanted to, I think that is exciting. I think for one CP, it's very strong. It Next cool. one, uh, targeting scramblers, one CP. Now, this one I believe is unchanged from eighth edition. Uh, you just stratagem in your opponent's shooting phase after a Tau Empire unit has resolved its shooting attacks against a Death Watch unit from your army. Remove all Markalite counters from that Death Watch unit. I know you used I, to use this. Now, I used to use this, but it might have changed. It might have been use it after a Markalite hit is scored. Um, I'm not sure yep. if it, if it used to be this exact wording. Um, the the way it obviously used to interact, and I mean, we can have some high level conversation if you want to talk about that. But it used to be a bit a little bit of a mini game between you and the Tau player when you would use this mm-hmm. strategy. Yeah, and exactly it was, right. It was a way that Tau players could lock you in. So what they were able to do is they're able to say they're able to get like two marker hits on you, and then say to you, "Would you like to use the stratagem?" Um, and if you said no then they would use their own stratagem to apply extra hits to you. Um, yeah. And at that point, you couldn't remove them. Now, I'm pretty sure there was no way to remove them previously, whereas now you can actually use this stratagem after you're targeted by any shooting attack. I'm pretty sure it used to just be marker-like hits. Well, so it's after uh, Tower Empire has resolved its shooting attacks. So here's the issue, yeah? And you're, you're exactly right, but I think that the minigame is still there. So if I shot a marker-like at you, after I finish resolving the hit the, and, and whatever the marker light is or any other shots, say from Mr. Unit of Pathfinders, um, and after that's resolved, you have the opportunity to use this stratagem. If you do not choose to use it then, I can then spend the the, D, the stratagems to give myself D3 or plus one and then shoot broadsides at you. Yeah, and then well, only right. after the broadsides are finished can you remove the marker that's lights. Right. You're still going to get hit by the broadsides, but if it's exactly. if you're playing a more MSU army with just a bunch of commanders, and then you're only going to cop the shooting from the one commander before then yeah. you just remove the marker lights. So I do yeah. think it's it's obviously improved. It's just this stratagem is just better than it was. Um, I think so too. Because as much as Cal isn't in the metagame, um, I do think as soon as they get their book, they'll be straight back, if not earlier. So it is a good shot. I think so too. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, you want to hit the next one? Yeah, overkill. Um, one CP. Use this stratagem in your shooting phase or fight phase after making attacks with Death Watch unit against Necron's unit. Your opponent must subtract one from reanimation protocol rolls made for that Necron units as a result of those attacks. So good. And so very good for a lot of reasons at the moment. Well, it speaks for itself. It does. Um, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. But taking people's reanimations from a five to a six is a huge mathematical change. Huge. Especially on multi-wound models. Especially if you're getting, yeah. like, uh, you know, you're shooting at destroyers or scarabs or, and you, mm-hmm. you give them a bunch of, you kill four or five scarab bases Normally, they might make those five ups and actually resurrect one or two bases. Whereas, exactly if you're right. able to neg them, you might actually just clean sweep them and they only, only roll yep. a few sixes and they don't actually get a base back. And that is huge. So, this stratagem, obviously, very good. Um, and in a matchup that we expect will be difficult for Imperium potentially, uh, it's, it feels great to have this stratagem. This is a game changer, absolute game changer. This, well, this is, this is, is your, your scatter. 
this your get out of jail free card when you've shot you've blown your whole load into a unit of 20 warriors or 10 um immortals or whatever and you've left one alive and you're like crap he's about to get a third or more of that unit back one cp he gets two guys back uh, out of 20 warriors you're like don't care yeah it's really good it's such a mathematical difference yeah so 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 strong um because it is it, it actually equates to killing uh half of what they would have gotten back so let's say you kill let's say you kill 18 guys yeah on re-rolling uh sorry on on five ups re-rolling ones on necron warriors you're going to get six plus re-roll the ones which is three ones you'll get seven guys back eight guys back yeah this equates to killing four of those dudes for one cp yeah and you know the situations when you know they might be using the reanimation roles to to get out of yeah. like hide and to get onto objectives this just lets you p- project damage and also like mitigate the the backswing that could happen if they get a little bit higher exactly right. high roll so this mm. this is the reason why i think death watch are the best marines at the moment because yes you know this isn't a strategy you're going to use in every game it's only going when you're going to play crons but when you play crons and you have this stratagem up your sleeve it's so <laughs> much better than when you don't like, You're going to use it every is, turn against Crons. Yeah, You're just going to use the five CP set aside for overkill because I'm going to use it every turn. Yeah, and it's just going to it's just going to break their brains. It's going to be like, wow, I wish you didn't have that stratagem. That is pretty awful. Yeah. So this is just like the other, pretty much all the other ones except for the Tyranid one, which is horrific. These ones, yeah, all I think the anti, um, Xenos ones are really good. Um, next one, Brotherhood of Veterans, two CP. Use a stratagem in your command phase. Select one Death Watch unit from your army, then select one chapter tactic or successor tactic until the end of the turn. The models in that unit have the chapter tactic or successor tactic instead of Xenos Hunters. So this is Grey Shield. You guys remember Grey Shield from the um well sorry, Grey Shield they got in addition. This one is you swap out, you stop being Death Watch, and you can pick another chapter to be for that for that turn. Um this is one of the best strats I've I think I've seen in this edition. I think, um, it, I mean, I, I, yeah, like, I think this is a really, at the very least, this is such a fun strat. This Exactly, this dude, exactly. Is, and this is the thing about Death Watch that I love. Like, I've played Death Watch for the better part of two years, and I just, I'm not sick of them. I just love them. They're so fun to play. Mm. They're so cool. The fluff is amazing. Just the idea of having all these different space marines. you got your Blood Angel that says, come on, guys, we're going in. Or you got the White Scar that says, hey, I know what to do. We're going to run out. Like, it's so awesome. But... Mm. This is obviously really strong as well. It mixes like flavor and coolness and fun and creativity with just pure strength. And I, I think the strategy is so awesome for so many reasons that everybody that plays Death Watch is going to have so much fun with this strategy. Agreed. I made a, a call once that Death Watch was what happens to Space Marines when you give them an Eldar toolbox. And this strategy is exactly why that is still true, I believe. Yeah, that was um, a very good call you made. Mm, your turn, mate. Well, Look, I think the reason why I think the stratagem is a lot funner than it is just purely strong is because you, you're relegated to using it in your command phase. You can't use it reactively, and your opponent yep. in their turn is always going to know what you've done previously. So it's, it, using yep. it defensively is nowhere near as strong. So some people were talking about using it to allow you to heroically intervene with Space Wolves. Now, that seems really strong, but then when you remember you have to do it in your command phase, it means that you're, you won't be able to heroically intervene when your opponent makes yes. this stuff up in their own movement phase and assault phase. So mm-hmm. straight out of the bat, people talking about using it to heroically intervene have misjudged it. Then Never going to do it. It's only, about, it's only active in your turn. Yeah, it's not, not good. Unless you preemptively do it, but then they're just going to see it coming. Um, well, it's only active in your turn, mate, until the, until oh, the yeah, end yeah. of that turn. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Only so you're never, you're never going to be able to heroically intervene. No. So there's, that's already gone. Um, it, it, obviously then there's really cool situational things 
Like you can use it with Imperial Fists to give a unit Ignore's cover and exploding sixes with bolt weapons. You can use yep. it to fall back and shoot with Ultramarines, use it to fall back and assault with White Scars. There's things like that that are really genuinely really good, but mm. that is, is effectively what I think it pretty much is. I mean, I know there's people that are going to say, but wait, what about this? I think this, this flexibility of it's really good, but the, the cornerstone power is to be able to use it to get out of combat um, yep. use it, I also think, with Blood Angels or with uh, Space Wolves to go in for more combat punch. Like, you might want plus one to hit or plus one to wound, depending on the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's obviously niche situations, like you might be able to build a unit with lots of bolt weapons and use Crimson Fists or use, you know, Imperial Fists. Salamanders, there might be situations where you're assaulting so, something. Um, now, here's the one with Salamanders, yeah? So let's mm-hmm. say you're stuck in combat with something, say, Gene Stealers, Acolytes, something that's innately neg one, and yeah. you've got a single ter- you've got a single Terminator in your kill team. You pop, you switch, you switch the Salamanders, and you're you've now got essentially a, a, a two plus save Terminator that can tank the entire squad. Yeah, and like, that's really good. That, that that's is, that's that is, yeah. It's very janky and fun, but I, I do think that like a lot of people when this first got released were saying, "Oh my god, this is going to break the game. This is going to break the codex." I don't mm. think that's true. I actually think this is not the strongest strategy in the Codex. I think it's it's a really good strategy. Um, but yep. it, it just, it effectively, it's, fle- its flexibility is what makes it so cool. But the whole mm-hmm. initial kind of gotcha type of thing, like what people were talking about with, um, like well, a good option, for example, is, is the successor tactic to get a plus three inch range. That's like really niche and really interesting because you might say, well, what about if I bring on my, uh, and like this is actually probably a really good way to use it, uh, bring them on my, uh, what do they call the eradicators? And mm-hmm. normally you can't actually, and I mean, this is probably giving away some secret sauce. I shouldn't have done this, but I mean, we are, Adam, I am here giving you my everything. But <laughs> you can bring, bring on eradicators that normally can't double tap, or sorry, get the bonus because they have to be like, it, it, it can be difficult to get on and be within range to do it. You know what I mean? So, like, Mm-hmm. Sometimes your opponent will position and say, "Oh, how, where can when where can your eradicators come on? Oh, they can come on from there. Okay, I'm going to position myself that you won't get the plus two damage. And they yep. can preemptively make themselves like insulated from that. But you could just say, "Oh, wait a second. Here I go. I'm going to do this, and now I'm going to get the plus three inch range. Now I'm within melter range. Now you get plus two damage in all my shots, and now I kill that that thing that you didn't think I could. And now there's an, there's an interesting interaction there. Can you use this on a unit that's not on the table? Because you'd have to. I, oh I, no, you I can't. Believe. You can't do that. No, yeah. you, oh well. I mean, yeah, you 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 you'd have, it'd have to be on the table. But yeah, you're right. Like, you can't so, yeah, flank and do it. I, I need to. I need to check where the sequencing is in the reinforcement stuff. The reinforcement stuff's in the movement phase. Yeah. Yeah. It so is so the this phase. before. So yeah. this you couldn't even do yeah. that. So that's the thing. A lot of the most cool things that come to mind, and even it, like it slipped my mind that the coolest things often get foiled by the sequencing of it and and the way it works. But like that's still a cool little play that you, you might have those eradicated yeah. in transport and then you're able to do it to get that extra bit of range. Stuff like that, yeah. still cool, still good, but just not not as like, oh my God, this is just going to break the game like it kind of first thought. Yeah, yep. exactly right. I'm going to jump into the next one. So this is uh, Disruptive Launch 1CP. Use this stratagem in your movement phase when a Death Watch Jump Pack unit, Indominus Kill Team, so Indominate, in, Indometer Kill Team, unit that contains an Inceptor or a Proteus uh, Kill Team, Unit that contains a Vanguard veteran with jump pack from your army falls back. That unit is still eligible to shoot, even though it fell back this turn. So this is a this is a, a cheaper way of getting what we just talked about. Eg, um, this is this is Ultramarines essentially without the um, 
without the negative one for one CP. But that's only if you have a jump pack unit, essentially, either that being a, a Vanguard Vet or an Inceptor in some way, shape, or form. Um, I still think this is quite good. I think this is very is quite a good one, and it's a reason yeah. to bring those models. I believe it's still a reason to bring the models. It, it it's still a reason why you would put them in the units um, if you were going to do it like that. So I, I, it's fine. It's good. And the fact you can do it with Brotherhood of Veterans means you, if you if they somehow tag two units, or you can just do it on two units. Come, come back exactly out. right. So, exactly yeah. right. Um, and so the next one is essentially the same as it was the last one. This is the Teleportarium one. This is the one that lets you deep strike stuff. And um, so I believe it's capped at using it three times per game. Um, and it's uh, Deathwatch Infantry, Deathwatch Dreadnought, or Deathwatch Biker. I'm not sure there's a hell of a lot for us to talk about there, seeing as that's pretty much unchanged, unless you think there's some drastic well, new tech. Only, nah, not really. The only difference was it used to be only infantry unit. Now it's now it that's true. Biker. So it just means yeah. you don't have to worry. You, just, you can do it on different things. It's good. It's a good strap. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it'll be cheaper than um, paying the the point, the power level cost to, to outflank him or um, strategic reserve him. But yeah, your turn, man. Read on next one. Okay, Relentless Assault. Uh, use this strategy in your movement phase when a Dreadnought, uh, sorry, Deathwatch biker unit or kill team unit contains a veteran bike or outrider from your army falls back. That unit is eligible to charge even though they fell back this time. So that is what a biker unit just used to innately give a kill team, isn't it? And that's is that pretty much that's exactly what the jump pack unit used to give the uh, the kill team as well. Yeah. Right. So it's just the equivalent of the the other uh, one we just read out. So yeah, just means you you include those bikers, um, and and you can fall back and assault. I actually think this is better than the than the the, the fall back and shoot. Um, I agree. For reasons we'll talk about later, where I think Death Watch mm. has become a little bit more of an assault focused army. So the, yeah, just by virtue of losing all those storm bolters. Um, yeah, mm. so I think really I think it's the only necessity. Yeah, I think it's yeah. very good. Um, next one, Shroudfield, uh, two CP. Use a stratagem at the start of the battle round. So start of the first battle round. Select one Corvus Blackstar unit from your army until the end of the battle round. That unit cannot be selected as a target of a ranged attack unless it is the closest eligible unit. Uh, target, sorry, t- closest eligible target to the firing model. So that's um, Cloud of Flies on the first turn only, and only for a Corvus Blackstar. Um, we'll get to some, we'll get to the Corvus Blackstar. It's going to be the very last thing we talk about in this episode. So we'll see what our thoughts are on it then. But Jez, does this make you excited to take this weird ass looking wow. flyer? It doesn't, but like at the same time, it's a good stratagem just because, like, Cloud of Flies was a strategy that when it when it came out, I remember thinking, wow, this is obviously crazy good. And it, did, yeah. it didn't have much of a play for a while. No one really used it. But then as soon as it entered the game, metagame, it was crazy broken. Um, mm. It's the same situation. Sorry, by the way, I, I retract my statement because obviously when it Cloud of Flies first came out, people were using it in the Foxwalker farm. Yeah, once, exactly. once the Foxwalker farm got nerfed, it wasn't as good. But nonetheless, yep. Shroudfield, it's not amazing just because the flyers don't seem amazing. But at the same time, mm-hmm. like the fact you can take one and then go second and it doesn't just die means it might be worth taking it because at least you get to alpha with it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, I, I think this makes the Black Star more palatable. The fact that you can now deploy it on the table and it's not going to get auto-picked up turn one. And there's a couple of other reasons I, I think you might maybe see one sometimes in really in kind of fringe lists. But um, yeah, look, I hope to see it on the table because I actually think it's a sick model looking like the dropship from Aliens and really all that good. goodness. But it's just it's just never had any reason to be played. It's always been so bad. Um, you want to grab the next one? Yeah, Clavis. Um, uses, so it's one, uh, one CP. Use this strategy at the start of the fight phase. Select one enemy vehicle unit within one inches one inch of a Watchmaster unit from your army. That unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Until the end of the phase, that unit is not eligible to fight until after all eligible units from your army have done so. Hmm. Yeah, what do you think? Well, it's it's 
Well, it used to be it used to be just D three damage, I believe. D three, um, just D three models, yeah. Yeah, whereas now it it um now it lets you also make them fight last, which is pretty good against like a knight. It, Amazing, it, it is good. It is good. You go in against a knight, you charge, you use this, and then they have to fight last, and you get all your they can't interrupt you, and then you get everything, just kill it before it can do anything. Like that, that is a good stratagem. So when, it, when it's one of those ones that you'll use it. When you use it, it's good, but you just very rarely use it. Well, the, the reason I didn't like the last one is because I believe you have to give up attacks in order to do D3 Immortal Wounds. I can't remember if it was one attack or all attacks. I don't think it was all. But um, this one, you don't give up anything. You're just like, oh, cool. I'm, I'm within one inch, one CP, take D3. I'll hit you with all my attacks as well. And then, you know, you can't fight until last. I think it's actually quite, quite nice and well-rounded for one CP. But anyway, last one. Uh, special issue loadout, two CP. Use this stratagem in shooting phase when you select a Death Watch infantry unit from your army to shoot until the end of the phase. Bolt weapons, um, excluding bolt sniper rifles, uh, without the special issue ammunition ability um, that models in the immune are equipped with, gain the special issue ammo uh, ability until the end. Their type characteristic change to heavy one. Man, if they didn't have that last bit in there, this would be a very good stratagem. But for 2 yeah. CP, it's, this is weird. I don't think it's, it's like we're terrified of, of giving people special ammo when. You know, you used to actually just have bolt sniper rifles with special ammo for free. Um, it, didn't, so like, it, didn't, it, it didn't break the game when everything had special issue in this, no, in this book. And like Death Watch so had, I don't get why they're... Yeah. yeah, it's bizarre. Death Watch had 20-point stalker bolt or whatever they were, like 18-point stalker bolt rifle, 17-point stalker bolt rifle intercessors for ages. No one really mm. cared. And then now they have 25-point stalker bolt rifles <laughs> yeah. that can't even use They can't even use it. Like, uh, I, I don't understand. If it didn't have that last clause, this would be cool. If it could just change to you know whatever they had, I mean, of course, uh, aggressors scream to mind the fact that you now have um, heavy bolter hurricane um, centurions available to you does scream to mind as well. But then, like, it's all changed. To your your heavy your rapid fire six hurricane bolter is changed to heavy one. That is the limpest two CP I've yeah, ever seen. I mean, the best way to um, use it. Obviously, people know the people that yeah, obviously the heavy. The heavy intercessors that have the heavy one, yes. like they already yep. have a heavy one weapon. Exactly. So they, you're just for them, it's actually quite good because you can give them plus one damage or you can even plus one to wound. But that's not game breaking. So it's no, not. No, it's not. And for 2 CP, you're better off just giving them Dev Doctrine or like, or yeah, yeah. exactly right. You, better, you, you can give them Dev Doctrine for 1 CP and just get a better rend and just, you know. It's just better CP expenditure, yeah, I believe. This, this stratagem should be one CP, and even then it would be bad. So, I mean, it's not it bad. Should be, it should be one. It should just be one, yeah. Anyway, that's that's all the stratagems, mate. What do you what do you think as a, as a tool set, as a, as a set of strats? There's only two pages, but, Dan, there are some bangers in there. Yeah, I think it is a really good, really good um, kind of little little toolkit to get in addition to the Space Marine ones. Um, yeah. I feel like, you know, I, said, I did say before, and it may have been a big statement, that Brotherhood of Veterans is not the best stratagem. Um, and I think that's just because the like teleportarium is the best strategy. Um, being able to <laughs> be yeah. well, I mean, yeah, that's that's what makes Death Watch unique. That's what makes them better. And I think we'll talk about that later when we get to the, uh, I guess maybe the subscriber only section when we talk about lists. Mm-hmm. Why um, it, the teleportarium is so game breaking for Death Watch. Um, but nonetheless, the stratagems are great. Being able to deep strike big kill teams is awesome. Um, Brotherhood yep. of Veterans is really fun. It's such a cool, fun stratagem. And obviously, priority doctrine adoption when you get to pick uh, just one extra doctrine to give. Like, remember how there's the one in Space Rings where you spend two CP and they get all doctrines? Like, that's yep. that's obviously really good. But this one, 
is basically, and it, sometimes you'll be doing that and you only just wanted that one doctrine. You might have just wanted dev doctrine or assault doctrine. So that's pretty cool that you can do that. So that's a really good one as well. And then obviously all of the Xenos stratagems seem to be quite good, except for the uh, the one against NIDs. Yes, agreed. Um, all right, so that, we're jumping over to kill team specializations. Now, this is uh, the thing that Death Watch got that you can pay extra CP for, and um, instead of upgrading your chaplains or apothecaries or whatever, um, or your um, cryptex for Necrons, you get to upgrade your kill teams. So I'll read this out. If your army is Battleforged and includes any Death Watch detachments, including Ox and whatnot, um, then you, when you muster your army, you can upgrade any kill team units from your army to have a specialization. If you have a Crusade Force, blah, 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 blah. Each time you upgrade one of the aforementioned units, you must pay the special, you must treat the specialization and uh, attach it to either its power rating or its points cost. Um, now, I, I'm going to read out this, uh, this Aquila one first, and then I can encompass all the rest of the ones pretty much in a, a single statement. So the Aquila one, which is 25 points, after selecting a battlefield role for your purposes of Xenoth Hunter's chapter tactics for your army, select one additional battlefield role. Until the end of the battle, each time a model in this unit makes an attack against an enemy unit with either of the battlefield roles, re-roll a rune roll of one. Next now you, one, need Venator. To, you need to read another one because that's a weird one that, that goes That to, is the weird one. And so yeah, that, all the other ones... Uh, so I'll read out Venator, I'll read the next one, just for, just for the sake of it. Each time a model in this unit makes an attack against an enemy unit with the fast tackle flyer battlefield roll, re-roll a wound roll of one. If you selected flyer or fast attack battlefield rolls for the Xeno Hunters as your chapter tactics, re-roll all wounds. And so it's the same for elites, the same for heavy support, same for, that was the fast attack one, and the same for troops, and the same for HQs. So for every single option, I do not believe there is a Lord of War option. I don't have support uh, or Lord of War, there is, that's true. Yeah. And the Malleus. Um, and they've all got different associated points cost. Now, where do, how do you feel about that first one? Because that is the outlier. Uh, the Aquila one is okay. I mean, it, it just gives you effectively an additional one, um, which mm-hmm. is, it's, I, mean, I don't think it's very good. I don't, I, I don't think, I mean, it depends. Could be good. Um, but I, I feel like these things, they're interesting. And, and when we look later at, obviously, the really chunky kill teams you can make in Death Watch, it might mm-hmm. be it might be interesting if you're already spending like 400 points on a kill team or more, you might just want to spend that extra 25 points or, or, or so just to give them that flexibility. So I can see it being quite good in that respect. Well, see, a lot of the times when you build the chunkier kill teams, the ones that have heavy intercessors, the ones that have hell blasters or plasma interceptors, things like that, you are going for bigger, heavier targets. So doubling down and being able to be like, oh, this this unit that was pretty much solely made to kill heavy support stuff or you know dreadnoughts in the elite slot is now rerolls all wounds you know that 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 stuff is pretty reasonable now going down the points costs um it's 25 for aquila as we just stated and 25 for dominatas which is the elites and then it's uh, 35 for furor being troops and 35 for malleus being heavy support and the others the other two are 25 as well i'm curious as why they think um heavy support needs to be 35 over 25 well i think it's because it also gives you it gives you a lot of archetypes because it gives you lord of wars and dedicated transports Mm -hmm. So it's like... Oh, really? Um, so, let me see. Yeah. It, it, oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah, no, so that is fair. That is fair. Totally, so it totally gives fair. you more, like, flexibility. Like, it's obviously good against Harleys. It's good against Knights. It's good against, you know... Well, yeah, dude, you think, you think about, like, a, re- a regular Dark Eldar army that has, like, six Venoms and three Ravages. Oh, cool. We're a real wound against your whole army. Um, that, that is... You're, actually, that is worth 35 points, for sure. But um, of those, I feel like the... I feel like in the meta right now, if you were to pick one, It'd probably be elites or troops, yeah. I think in the meta, elites sounds pretty good. Troops is troops is good as well, but troops re-rolling to wound, like I mean, it's not as relevant because often the troops you're shooting at a less than toughness for. 
But yeah. in the meta where a lot of troops just are intercessors and Necron warriors and stuff, then mm-hmm. getting full rerolls is good. But I feel like, if, yeah, I think the elites is really interesting. I think that's quite good. Adam's Adam's hot tip: if anybody's struggling with uh, my beloved Dark Angels with the inner circle rule, you just take the elites rerolls to wound, and you don't care about wounding on fours. Wounding on fours rerolling is a joke. You'll just smash through. They're not that hard to kill anymore. All of a sudden. Um, all right, but yeah, um, of those, I'm not too excited about any of that. I think it's some nice toolboxy stuff if you're willing to truly specialize, or if you have a very polarized meta, or you know you have a you have a certain army that keeps knocking you back when you go to events. I think this stuff is a very nice cherry on top to like um, skewing it in, in a certain direction. But I don't feel like they're game breaking or all that exciting in and of themselves. Um, would that be fair to say for you? Yeah, I thought so. There's, also um, a, relic. So- There's a relic we'll get to shortly that that fulfills a similar role, and we'll talk about that when we get to it. Yep, fair call. Um, jumping up to the Warlord traits. So, first one, Vigilance Incarnate. In your command phase, you can select one friendly Death Watch core unit within six of the Warlord. Each time you do, select one battlefield roll until the start of your next command phase. Each time model in that unit makes an attack against an enemy unit with that battlefield roll, we all wants to wound. So, you, you pretty much pick a unit within six, and you get rerolls to wound, once to wound, against a selected yeah, type, yeah? So, you're pretty much altering your... Wait, this this there was a it was a time of the Ectoclades that used to do this. Yeah, the time of the Ectoclades used to do this. Yeah, so, that's, so, so this is pretty much yeah, yeah. It's just know. a warlord trait for that, and it's good because you know it is nice to be able to say, oh, like I I pick troops as my my um my chapter tactics, but I don't want to today. Now I'm right right now I'm shooting at elites, so I'm just going to give that mm-hmm. unit that's shooting at the elites. I'm going to give that that chapter tactic. You don't have to spend two CP yeah. to change chapter tactic. So this yep. is a really good warlord trait. I think it's very useful. It's going to be used often. Uh, just very flexible. I think it's great. I think it's really good. But yeah, on to the next one, mate. Right, Paragon of their chapter. This is the other really, really fun thing. Uh, select one warlord trait from the chapter warlord traits. See codex placements <laughs> for this warlord. But just to reiterate, select one warlord trait from the chapter warlord traits. And that was that table that has a, a special warlord trait for each chapter. Yep. Replace all instances of the chapter's keyword in that warlord trait with Death Watch. If this warlord has one, ha, um, if this warlord has the heraldry of one of those chapters, or um, other than Crimson Fist, Black Templars, and Flesh Terrors, you must select that chapter's warlord trait. Note that this cannot be a chapter warlord trait found in the Codex supplement. Yep. So everyone is furiously getting their nothing, no, no armaments, no, no adornments on their chapter, um, their watchmasters. Um, which one is there? One that screams to mind for you straight away, because there's one that screams to mind to me that you'd want to use. Well, there's a, there's obviously a lot. I mean, I've, I've got, I think the Crimson Fist one's a real troll, lol, 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 one. <laughs> which one's um, that? That's the one when on a four, when you die, you just roll a four up, and if you pass, uh... you again. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's really good on on a certain chaplain we might talk about later. Mm. Um, but there's some real trollolol. But I think I, I think uh, just there's some really just sweet cool ones like the Ultramarines one just gives you CP regen. Um, well, what dude, was the one you were talking you about? The Dark Angels one, brilliant strategist. Pick a unit within six inches. It gets the doctrine. It gets the doctrine of your choice. Yeah, you there being practical yeah. doctrine for the entire game because you're within six inches of me. Cool. Yeah, it's basically just saving you CP on having to switch back it regularly. It's really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're planning on having an, an army that wants to be in tactical doctrine. Uh, or you want to go into tactical doctrine, but you have this one unit that wants just really wants to be in heavy doctrine. Well, you just take that yeah. warlord trait, like just easy. exactly right. Um, next one, nowhere to hide. It's an aura. Um, in your command phase, you can select one enemy unit on the battlefield until the start of your next command phase. While a friendly Death Watch core unit was in six of this warlord, each time a model in that in that friendly unit makes an attack against the enemy unit, it does not receive the benefit to 
of cover to its saving throw against the attack. This is, I believe they had this before as well. They did, and it's pretty much exactly the same, except this mm. now only works on core units, but Death Watch pretty much only have core units anyway. Um, yeah. Now, this is good. The reason why it's not as good as it used to be is because you used to be able to selectively pick this when you were versed. Look, after you, you know what table you're on and after you know who you're playing. Exactly uh, right. Now and you how, have to how pivotal on. cover was going to be in that yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. Like, you might be playing against Harlequins, and even if you're on a dense board, you don't care because then it's never going to get a cover save. Whereas now, exactly. it's just like, okay, you have to put in your list. Still might be worth, in some metagames, taking this because it just might be a metagame where you can't afford to go against like a, you know, a certain army that's just going to really smash you in cover. Um, yeah, or something like Sisters that we know they get they ignore the rend and then they're in cover for a 2+. plus. All of a sudden, this becomes quite premium. But yeah. Uh, yeah, there are there are metas where this just doesn't exist. Like you play demons, cool. You wasted yeah. your. So you wasted I, I use, it is an interesting one, but I, I do think it's a very good wall of trade. It's just not necessarily a must take. It's very meta dependent. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Next one, mate. All right, optimized priority. This is an aura. While a friendly Death Watch core or Death Watch character unit that is performing an action within six of this warlord, that unit can make ranged attacks without the action failing. So this is, oh my, I like this. It's an yeah. aura of the stratagem from the Space Marines book that lets you do this. I think it's 2CP and it lets you do this for one unit. This is just an aura as a Warlord trait. So this is really good. Yeah, I think it's really good. I mean, it, this, this opens up a lot of secondaries you might want, not want to have taken with a very lean, like no fat um, Death Watch army because they, they, can, they can run quite expensive. Well, and you can't really yeah, afford yeah. to take... You can't take. You can't really afford to be taking raise the banners and have your three hundred point kill team not shoot when it could shoot to put up a banner. This is just an aura of saying, "Yeah, boys, put the banners up." It actually scramblers. Like, like, the banners be good. Yeah, and like it, 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 scramblers as well. Well, it, yeah, exactly. It unlocks playstyles for you that you, that might not be open to you otherwise. I think this is one of the best ones. I agree. And but once again, yeah, you put this in your list, so you do this if your list is built around taking raise the banners. You wouldn't, yes, you exactly wouldn't right. take this just in case you take raise the banners. Um, yeah, the problem yeah. with this though is that there would be a lot of there's a lot of missions where raise the banners isn't good. There's a lot of missions where deploy scramblers True. might not be good because there's better secondaries to take against those opponents. So this is a really like a risky one um, because mm. you're spending effectively spending a CP on it. You you know that's effectively a warlord trade is now worth one CP. You're spending a CP just hoping that that's a game where you would take that. But it might be yeah. just that your army really wants to be able to have that open to it because it's not good at scoring other secondaries. So hmm. I think it's a very good wall of trait for that reason. I agree. Next one, Castellan of the Black Vault. Uh, when mustering your army, you can give one of the following relics to this warlord. Adamantite Mantle, Artificer Armor, Mastercrafted Weapon, Digital Weapons. This is in addition to any other relics that may have. And each, you know, you can only have one of these upgrades. Um, this is this is exciting. This is, um, yeah, so I mean, fun. how fun are all these warlord traits? Yeah, they're real fun, man. And they're flavorful. They're not just like, oh, here's a straight, here's a straight line power increase for no apparent reason, e.g. Iron Hands. But yeah. uh, this stuff is all kind of cool and janky and deep and um, adds a lot of nuance to um, what is already a pretty complex army. But uh, yeah, this is this is something to get excited about as well. Like, you can really craft some smashy, smashy characters. Oh, the this. thing is about this is, like, oh, we could talk about a couple of little options, but every you just this is like go sit down with a book and open up the space for <laughs> Sit down for an hour and a half and work out what you can do. Like, yeah. there's, so, there's so many options. His smashy chappy, his smashy jump captain, his uh, his smashy lieutenant, his 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 extra will not die bike captain, his super can't kill me, you know, librarian. There's so many things you can do with this, and I think it's really well, cool. I mean, and there's um, actually a stratagem that we didn't like. We didn't pay proper attention to it in the book earlier, but 
it lets you take a second warlord trait on a one character. So, oh, really? Sorry. Yeah. Wait, what a sec. Wait, 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 wait. We, we, we kind of glazed. I don't think we, it was the um, Sanction of the Black Vault, I believe. Oh, no, sorry. Sanction of the Black Vault gives it to a sergeant. I think it's the Vigil Unmatched. Yeah, um, uh, use this strategy after nominating a Death Watch character model that is not a named character to be your okay, warlord. No, no, okay, it's not give... that one. Is it that one? No, nah, okay. it's not. Uh, where is it? Uh, you can generate one additional warlord trait for for them from Death Watch warlord traits table. Yeah, no, you're right. You can. Yeah. One additional warlord trait. Yeah, so Vigil Unmatched. Uh, apologies, guys, that we skipped that. I assumed yeah. that was the same as I knew it was the other ones, but of course... But... Uh, so yeah. wait, wait a second. So these, these aren't extracted straight from the Space Marines Codex because, of course, you already have access to the Space Marines Codex. Yeah, I'm a dingus. I apologize, everybody. Um, Sorry, and there is so, the other one that lets you take a relic on a sergeant, which is cool. Yes, well. exactly right. Um, so I so, guess yeah. that'll come up when we get to relics, and we get so that, that it's, it, we'll talk about those later. But yeah, like so, what you can do is you could effectively give a guy two warlord traits and a relic, or two relics and a warlord trait. By okay. using yeah. the combo of the that that stratagem and Castellan of the Black Vault, so you can take a lot of you can take yeah. There's so many options you can do. You can go off and find two like you can master crafty Crozius and take armor and dominus. Mm-hmm. You can there's so yeah. many things you can do. Like so, it's just amazing, and it, it, you go off and work it out. Like it's just so fun and so cool. Um, mm. But there are some options that spring to mind. I mean, I think one of the best ones there is the two best ones: are artificer armor and master crafted weapons. Yeah, um, obviously. And I think the best. But don't give it all away now. No, don't, I won't. Don't. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, this is another really excited one. So I'm going to get some comments about how much I stuffed up with those two stratagems. But because, of course, if I, any rational person would have just been like, they've already got those stratagems, Adam. These ones are unique. These ones are cool. And you're absolutely right. Those are two really cool stratagems. Um, and I, I think being able to tool up sergeants is a big deal. Um, yeah, it is. Quite a big deal. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, but on to the last one. This is the ties that bind. It is an aura. Whilst a friendly Death Watch core unit is within six of this warlord, you can reroll morale test taken for that unit. So that's old, and they shall know no fear. Um, and then secondly, in your command phase, you can select one friendly Death Watch core unit within six of this warlord. Until the start of your next command phase, that unit gains the objective secured ability. If it already had obsec, it gets a double obsec. Um, so you know, we know that uh, Space Marines already have this warlord trait. In the in the codex, so mm. technically you be giving out two auras of obsec or super obsec. Yeah, just watch how that interacts. Whether you can go quad, I don't think it would work like that because it doesn't say. Du- oh no, it does. It oh, says- no, 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 no. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. What I mean is like you have two auras of it. You have one guy with it on one side of the well, board. You have another guy. Do they stack though? Like maybe they actually stack. Like let me let me just check because this one says it counts as one additional model. Yeah. Um, if they already oh, have so you mean they, they would count as three models each. Yeah, on the, on the, the other, ones, the other one funny. says, um, let's find it. Sorry, um, maybe I'll be a bit slow. But yeah, like it, it might be that because it sounds like it would stack actually, doesn't it? Well, I'll, so I'll start reading out one of the first of the relics um, and then you come back to me, man, when you figure that out. But um, this one is the, the Beacon Angelus, which is it's changed slightly. This was a mainstay of the last uh, kind of iterations of the Death Watch army. Once per battle, if the bearer did not arrive as reinforcements this turn, you can activate the, be- activate the Beacon Angelus. In the reinforcement step of your morale phase, you can select one... Uh, sorry, re- reinforcement step of your movement phase. There is no reinforcement step of the morale phase. You can select one friendly Death Watch infantry or Death Watch biker unit that is either on the battlefield 
and did not reside from reserve this turn is in the teleport time chamber or in strategic reserves. Remove that unit and set it up as reinforcements wholly within six of the bearer and nine from enemy models. So I believe that is almost verbatim as it was in the last one. The only uh, difference is being that the, he's got the extra clauses saying that you know they can arrive from teleportarium or from um, strategic reserve. Now, where that is interesting is it essentially lets something that was placed into strategic reserve deep strike when it may not have otherwise been able to deep strike. So that is things like, um, well, what would be some things that, that would be in reserve that couldn't deep strike? Uh, um, because anything that's not a dreadnought, a bike, or a core, right? Most things can. It would, yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah, it does. That it, it opens it up, though. You are right. But it's maybe things like tanks. Like, yeah, like, maybe. Like, a land, like a land raider, for God's sake. You could deep strike a land raider with this, technically. Yeah. Um, oh, apologies. Never mind, never mind, never mind. Never mind. I'm stupid. Man, I'm, I'm all over the place today. This is, it, says, it says friendly Death Watch infantry or Death Watch biker units. So I don't, I actually don't think this is very good. Oh, it's good because because you just, just, Yeah, sorry, go on. For one CP, you can just do it anyway. What do you mean? Well, for one CP, you can teleport yeah, to many death watch infantry. You can do this spontaneously. Like you could, you can pull this from the board as well. Oh, of so, course, you can also do the redeploy. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. This, that, that still retains that value. Yeah, it's still got the redeploy value. So I mean, I, I think it's good. I think it's. I would take this pretty much listed on my list. Oh, they're all listed on your list. So this is something I would be taking, um, just because it yeah. gives you the flexibility to move around and redeploy. Um, and one of Deathwatch's biggest issues at times can be their mobility. Probably not in this edition, but it, yeah, it's good. Um, did you find the the Waller trait? Um, the Waller trait doesn't. It just lets you. Just makes you upset. It doesn't actually make you count as more models. But I remember there being a way to count, count as more models. So I'm just looking through the codex. Um, um, it is the Super Ancient. The the Master, when you upgrade your Chapter Ancient. Uh, chapter Ancient, the Pennant of the Fallen. Um, or maybe it's the Waller trait. Yeah, uh, while this chapter called, so it's a steadfast example. Um, yep. It has the obsec ability. If a model in that unit already has that ability, the model counts as one additional. Okay, so they both, they both did different names and do the same thing, so you would get to three. Yeah, you would get to three. I'm not sure where that's going to be relevant. Well, Maybe that, if you were taking something like mass on the middle of- uh, heavy intercessors and you have a very low model count. Well, even if you've got like just the, any random kill team with like 10 dudes on the mid-objective, and then they, they just count as 30. Pump, they that's hilarious. <laughs> You know, you transhuman and lose seven guys and you've got three left. But now you've got the counts as nine guys. So it's really mm-hmm. hard for them to get on to get on and actually win that objective. Yeah, that's true. Wow. No, I, agree. I think there could, there could be some funky stuff there. Maybe there's an FAQ in the making for that one, or maybe there already is one that we're not aware <laughs> oh, of. But that's, that's, a fun that's genuinely good, I oh. think, though. That's a fun little adventure. Yeah, I think it is genuinely good. It will cost you one CP. To, uh, sorry, it will cost you some points to get the ancient, of course. Um, but yeah, that's pretty cool. Essentially, because the other Waller trait can be the, your free one, so it's not costing you that much. But anyway, onto the second of the relics. This one's called the uh, Dominus Aegis. Model with a Storm Shield, uh, Relic Shield, or Combat Shield only. This relic replaces the Storm Shield, Relic Shield, Combat Shield only, whatever. Um, add one of the saving uh, so the armor saving throws made for the bearer. The bearer has the following ability, Dominus Aegis Aura. Whilst friendly Deathwatch core or Deathwatch character unit is within six of the bearer, models in the unit have a 5-plus invulnerable save. It is pretty damn good if i can say so myself i think this is a great well, relic this is the same remember when like we lost it over the new uh, uh psychic fortress ability that um mm-hmm. instead of giving five up to ignore mortal wounds now it just gave you a five up invulnerable aura this is yep. that effect it is same thing don't need, to, don't need to roll the dice don't need to risk getting denied you just got it so I, I don't know about you but i just think this is crazy because one of the biggest reasons one of the issues with that uh the reason why you know that psychic power was a bit iffy was because it can get denied 
you can fail it and you also don't have it up if your opponent goes first. So if you set up your little your little castle um, and yep. your opponent goes first, they can L for you. But now they can't because you just have this there. So all your interceptors, all your stuff that, you know, especially those Primara, those ATVs, those, um, you know, those things like that, that, yep. although, yeah, all, you know, your, your outriders, the units that would really want that invuln because they could get pushed by by certain weapons to a six up or totally ignore their save. Just having that invuln is so good. This in the Melter meta is phenomenal. This is one of the best relics in the game. Well, it really is because it's one of those, some people might be looking at it and saying, who cares? Like, but, but it's it's because it lets you basically not take that Libby. Um, and, yeah. it's, and obviously you will want a Libby because there's other, there's other, the Death Watch themselves have good powers, but it's so strong. So this is such a good relic. I think this is incredible. But yeah, feel free to jump into the next one. All right, the Osseus key, uh, this is for Watchmasters only. The bearer has the following abilities. While um, an enemy vehicle is within 12 of the bearer, each time that model makes an attack, subtract one from that attack's hit roll. Then it's got another effect. While an enemy vehicle is within 12 of the bearer, subtract one from its attacks characteristic of each model in that unit. I, I don't mind it. I think it's, I feel like it's a little bit too specific to be on your army list, so I doubt I'm going to see it that yeah. often. But You're should right. there be a big meta shift to knights or something like that? Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not sure how often you're going to want to watch Master within 12, but um, for the turn when you deep strike everything down, giving them minus one to hit and then minus one attack, uh, I don't think it's the worst yeah. thing in the world. It's I think not it's a bad, pretty good. It's, this isn't a bad, this wouldn't have been a bad relic in the previous version when you can choose. So it's actually, I'd be great. It'd be amazing in the last one. When yeah, you could so just it's literally it. just only, only potentially not good because of the, the way the edition works. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, next one Thief of Secrets. Model equipped with a power sword, mastercraft power sword, any sword, whatever, and replaces any sword. I'm not going to read out this stuff anymore. <laughs> the Thief of Secrets, it is range melee, type melee, strength plus one, minus four rend, and damage one. Each time an attack is made with this weapon, invulnerable saving throws cannot be made. Each time an attack is made with this weapon is allocated to essentially any Xenos army. Uh, that attack has a damage characteristic of two. Um, I can't get it really excited for this, it being damage one all the other time. I wish it was damage two and went to damage three or something. But yeah. um, going from damage one to damage two against Xenos and then no invulnerable saves. Yeah, I mean, it's it's rent four with no invulns, but it's still only one damage. Like you might, Yeah, you might have taken it if it was what you said, damage two to three. You might have taken yeah. it just to be really good against Krons, like in a Wraith meta or something like that. But Exactly, that's what I was thinking. But yeah, damage yeah. one, you kill one Wraith. Congratulations. Nah, well, I mean, you do do, yeah. da- you do do two damage, two Wraiths, but it's like... It's probably even at just two damage. It's good against wraiths, but you wouldn't put this on your list. You know, to no. go to a tournament yeah. to play, maybe play a Necron player. It's not good. Um, you're up next, and this is one of your favorites. Yeah, Tome of the Ectoclades. Uh, once per battle. Yeah, I love how you say, I love how you say Clades. Yeah, because I, I pronounce that properly down here in Melbourne. <laughs> Uh, once the battle in your command phase, you can use the Tome of Ectoclades. If you do, you select one data sheet used by a unit from your opponent's army. Until the end of your next command phase, the bearer has the following ability, Tome of Ectoclades, Aura. While the friendly Death Watch call unit is within six of the bearer, each time a model in that unit makes an attack against a unit belonging to that data sheet, you can re-roll the wound roll. So just to be, does happen in your command phase, mm-hmm. but that guy that's got this relic, it's kind of like the banner, it's like the um, banner of Lost Cadia. Yep. Where you basically pop it, and then everything around you gets a re-roll wounds Aura, but this is just against that data sheet. Uh, it's. I think it's uh, quite good, and the meta's like this is a great horde meta pick. 
Yeah, like, really. An yeah, amazing yeah, orchid. Yeah, yeah, really. 120, 120 orc boys, you were going to win on four pluses. Four pluses of the real baby. Incredible. Uh, yeah. 20, um, 20 um, uh, death, Deathwing Terminators. Bang, we're else to win against all of them. Uh, 200 Termigants. Bang, we're else to win against all of them. Really good. Yeah, I think this is really good. I mean, the command phase thing makes it a little a little bit awkward because you can't do it after a deep strike. You can't, like, deep strike in a unit yeah. and then just, you know, hose stuff. But I still think it's good, and I still would take this on my uh, list rather than take any of those um, upgraded kill team things that you spend points on mm. because yeah. this okay. just gives you that situational reroll wounds that you need. The other one gives a unit, like, more, uh, perma rerolls. But the problem with that is that unit that has perma rerolls will probably just get targeted anyway and killed. Um, exactly. It's either that or in, in one turn, it's killed. It, it's got it's, it's those 25 points are no longer relevant because it's killed everything yeah. in that slot. So like this you took the fire back on and they had, they had one unit of Outriders. Cool. Outriders are dead. It's no longer relevant. Yeah. So this is really good. People might say, well, what about when you want to deep strike that, you know, or you want to come on from the reserves with, with something? Well, that's fine. But what you can do is you just combo this with the beacon. So you, yep. you beacon exactly. in this guy, like you, you have your Libby uh, or your, your chaplain on bike, and then you beacon in the watchmaster that's got this tome. And then he gives that aura to the units that arrive from reserve. So you still can do it on deep striking units. I think it's really cool. I'll be putting it on my watchmaster. Um, and have yep. fun dying for it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right, well, the next ones we have up is the Adamite Mantle, Adamantite Mantle, which we all know what it is. Same as Mastercrafted Weapon, Digital digital Weapons, and Artificer Armor. They're all pretty much known by now, so we'll dodge those. Save the time where we can. The next one is the Black Weave Sh- Shroud. This one reads, add one toughness uh, to the characteristic of the bear. And then each time the bear would lose a wound as a result of immortal wound, roll a d6 on a 4+, plus. that wound is not lost. Um, I think this is far too situational to chuck on your list. Um, yeah. And I think this is the mortal wound meta. I mean, I mean yeah. there are some yeah. crazy mortal wound things, but it just being on this one model, I think that the days of, of twink, twink, twinking up with one single model to the nines uh, is kind of past us, unless it's like a, cap, unless it it's like a chappy be, on bike. It would be literally in a mortal wound meta. Um, type of situation because then i chappy on bike with this to go to t6 with like eight oh sorry he's got seven wounds base um so seven wounds t would be then he would be t6 with one four up he just becomes a smite absorber potentially it does yeah but like i don't know you wouldn't let's be honest you wouldn't put this in your list you wouldn't take it you wouldn't take it i mean that same chappy can be giving out um and I don't think I got the feel no pain. Yeah, they do have the feel no pain. They have the the mortal or mortal wound feel no pain. They well, can chuck the that thing, out. Just give him the thing, Adamantine mantle on the left that just gives him a five up FMP anyway. So and, and take that, spend a CP and get something else, or do the wall trade and take something else on top. Yeah, but yeah. Um, next one, spear of the first vigil model equipped with a vigil vigil spear only, which is now what the uh, the watchmaster is equipped with uh, mm-hmm. when we get to it. Um, it has a spear. So the shooting profile is range twenty four, rapid fire two. So four shots at twelve inches. Uh, strength four minus one two damage. So essentially a, a special a, a good good bolter, mastercrafted bolter of his. And then in melee it is strength plus two minus three flat three damage, um, and has special issue ammunition. I think this is not bad. I think this might be what if you're going to take two relics on a dude, like take this and then take artificer armor on somebody who didn't have a two plus. Or sorry, you can't take it. So you have to have the visual spear. So it has to be on a watch master. But um. Yeah, I don't mind this one. I just don't feel like you're going to take it, though. But it's actually good. Some people used to take the plus one. Deathwatch used to have a wall of trait that gave plus one damage. And when you put it on their spear, it, it gave plus one damage on its shooting and its combat. 
people yes, just that's that true. Visit. So, but this kind of like this is better than that because you you go to um you go from D three to three damage in combat. Yeah, and you don't gain a damage in shooting, but you go rapid fire too, so you shoot twice as much. Um, exactly. So it, I think it's it's just basically that, but it's actually better because then in combat it it gets plus two strength instead of plus one strength. I believe the visual spear is. Yep. It was actually just, it's just better. So it's better than um than doing that warlord trait. But let's be honest, no one really did that warlord trait. So that's mm. why I think it's 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 um limited because you, you you watch master is strong. He's good, but spending, making him better. I would rather give him the term of Ectocardis, to be honest. Like, I think that's a lot better. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I, think, I think Death Watch you, um, characters there as force multipliers, especially the specialist ones, things like Watchmasters, they're there as force multipliers. And they're already, like, pretty good beast sticks without any, like, additional stuff. So I don't feel like you, I feel like you take them to, to be more force multiplication. But anyway. On to your next one, mate, if you want to grab it. Uh, Soul Fortress, the Soul Fortress, Libby only. Each time a psychic test is taken for the bearer, you can ignore any and all modifiers to this test. Increase the range mm -hmm. of the bearer's psychic hood to 24 inches. So that just means they're getting so, to deny on all, on all their denies instead of just within 12. On all their denies. Yeah, exactly right. And I believe that I'm not sure how this would interact with the upgraded Libby stuff because I believe there's another, I can't remember if the upgraded Libby uh, one is also says your psychic hood goes to 24 or if it just says it's plus 6 or plus 12 inches. If it is the plus inches, that's actually it actually might be kind of cool just having a, a, um, a deny the witch caddy running around with plus 1 to deny on, you know, the whole board that could be quite cool but um i, I don't know um, how i feel libby about this one, libby one is uh increase the range to 24 so they both just yeah, increase it to 24 and then the warlord yeah. trait is add one to psychic tests it doesn't include denies it would have been cool yeah. if you could combo it with plus one deny and have plus two deny but exactly can't. right so you can't I, i'm not sure how much how good this is but anyway jump over to the next one this is the bane bolts of erixia uh when you select this relic select one bolt weapon um the bear is equipped with when this model is chosen to shoot with uh you can choose that weapon to fire a bane bolt of erixia if you do you can only make one attack with that weapon um but that attack has strength characteristic of six ap characteristic of two and damage of three um you are never going to take this nope. it's actually not trash by the bolt rounds like measure because there are some truly terrible ones but you're just never going to do it yep. um unfortunately moving on mate you want to grab the next uh volcan Vul or specific or Spicator. The bearer has the following ability. Omni, I, the problem is that it's so small. Omni Canopticon Aura. While a friendly Death Watch four unit is within six of the bearer, each time a model in that unit makes a ranged attack against a unit with fly, add one to the unit's hit roll. So an aura of plus one to hit against fly. It's actually good. Mm -hmm. If this was in the previous code, like if this was in the previous edition when you could just take it before the game. Yeah, it'd be amazing. Incredible. Oh, no, this is crazy good. Triple um, Crimson Hunter x Ha! <laughs> Gonna kill yeah. you with bolters. Yeah, but unfortunately, yeah. that's not the case. In the meta right now, barely any cast fly. In fact, a bunch of stuff you would love to have used this on lost fly impulses, repulses. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, where this could get cool is if you know Tau Eldar comes strong. I mean, also um, Necron have a bunch of flying units. Maybe maybe be maybe be good then. But yeah, at the moment, I think it falls a bit flat. Next one, um, artifice of bolt cache cache um, bolt weapon. Uh, the bearer is equipped with gain special issue ammunition ability. This one's interesting because yeah, it's interesting Nothing because it can Nothing. actually go on to all bolt. Like it, this one doesn't change the. Uh, it's a heavy one. It, this actually works in yeah. conjunction with 
the uh, ability to give it to sergeants. So you could give this to a Centurion Devastator sergeant. It does. It could. You absolutely could. And that actually is kind of cool. Maybe that's a reason to take three of them, but they're, they're so expensive. It's spicy. But, um, it it's would fun, be spicy, wouldn't it's, it? It's, it makes it not terrible, but you would never take this really on a character. I mean, you, you could take it on like a biker, a guy with it, like, for example, a chappy on bike. You wouldn't, though, let's be honest. So it's basically reserved for aggressor sergeants or yeah. um, like uh, centurion sergeants. Yeah, I mean, I even I even said you like I even thought you might take it on Inceptor, and, and maybe that will make the bolters better. But it's only one of the bolt weapons, so you only get three shots of it. Whereas the you could get one hurricane bolt, you get twelve shots of special issue ammo from a single. Well, no, wait a second, um, it does sergeant. Say so that's pretty cool. Weapons. Uh, cool. All right, the last one. Oh wait, holy shrap, it does. Bolt weapons that the bearer is equipped with gain special issue. Man, so both of the yeah, both like the heavy that, bolters and the hurricane bolter on the death plus one damage. That's actually good. It's actually good. Um, okay. Yeah, it actually yeah. is good on it. It actually could be a reason to take a unit of cent, like three cents. And you, just you, pay some C, you pay some CP, turn that guy into an Imperial Fist and get some but ignores cover and exploding. Um, yeah, wow. okay, that's a thing. That's a wow. Thing. That, that, that's actually a thing. That's a thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. We might be seeing Bolter, Centurions, bunch of, yeah. All right. Well, cool. Cool. All right. Last one. Take I, them out of your seventh edition cabinet and, and <laughs> yeah, there you go. Enough. Um, the eye of abiding each time the bear makes an attack you can ignore any and all hit roll wind roll blister skill and weapon skill modifiers for that attack each time the bear makes an attack on a modified wound roll six invulnerable saves cannot be made against this attack um i quite like it i'm not sure how good it's going to be this edition yeah like it's actually what what's interesting and this is the thing right like people would look at this and just be like okay put in the bin like bye you know but this could go on a smash captain with mm-hmm. a thunder hammer that already is negative one. Exactly. Yep. So you're automatically so getting value straight up, straight off the bat. It automatically becomes effectively that relic thunder hammer that people used to take with, with the blood angels one that was just you know thunder Correct. hammer with, without plus. So it's already that, but then it also gets it ignores you know any potential further modifiers to wound like things like that. Um, and then it's also got. Uh, each time you make an attack I'm on a, on a room roll of six, invulnerable saving throws can't be taken. Like, then you could just go in and smash something. It actually pretty is good. It's actually pretty good on a smash cap. I agree. Um, and where it gets really... Oli, Oli, wow, that's actually... Yeah. This could actually be a thing. I think I think it could be a thing as well. I think this is if you wanted to make a suicide smash captain, um, this is really spicy into a lot of things in the meta. Bladeguard, dude, going to be pissing their well, pants for this guy. And especially, you know... If you are, you've got you got your mission tactics for reroll ones to wound. Yep. Um, yep. Against and and you know, he doesn't give himself reroll ones to hit, does he? He does. Give um, him to it. Okay. Well, he hits on twos with rerolls and then wounds on whatever with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I actually think this relic. It's one of those relics that a lot of people just uh, like some of the other ones would have just gone through. But when you actually think about the fact that it's just giving you a plus one to hit. And dude, and, just then you, and then you mastercraft the thunder hammer, so it's a damage for hitting on twos, rolling ones, thunder hammer, straight four damage, ignoring. Oh, and you know what? The, you know what the other thing is, you can <laughs> you can actually also you can actually also take another warlord trade. Yes, so you that could take the warlord trade that gives you um like champion. You can go plus two. All the, plus, all the plus attack ones in the regular space marine code. The flesh terror is one for plus yeah. two three attacks. Yeah. <laughs> We're yeah. going down the rabbit hole, well, guys. We're going to stop ourselves. Well, he's actually, he, but this guy is actually good now. He's actually he really is a unique smash captain. Yes. Um. Yeah. I wonder how that interacts with like transhuman. Um. Because when yeah, it says wound right. roll modifiers, is yeah. transhuman not a wound roll modifier? It, it would go through transhuman, as far as I'm concerned. 
And I'm, I've got, I wonder if it goes through like the the wound cap limiters. Like Gaz can only take X amount of wounds. Catan can only take X amount I of wounds. I don't think it would because it doesn't say – it says wound roll modified, not like wound cap. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you might be right there. But anyway, but we're going to stop. We're going to affect- stop. We're gonna no, stop. I think it's a really – it will need an FAQ to see whether it actually 100% goes through transhuman. Some mm. people might argue – Transhuman takes precedence, but either way, it's it's actually a good relic. I think it's I think it's actually quite good. It's better than it appears on paper. Um, all right, dude, we are going to take we're going to take an ad break. We are up to the Xenopurge discipline, and I think this is as good a, good a time as any to take a break. You can hear some wonderful people doing marketing through the Frontline Gaming Network. Please stick with us, and we will catch you on the other side. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash instantinkspotify. And we are back. Still got. I'm still Adam. He's still Jeremy. And we are here to tell you about what I think, and this is my ring-a-ding big call of the day, is right now the best psychic discipline in the game. Um, would, how do you feel about it? I think it, I mean, oh, it's hard to say if it's the best. I think it's got at least, it's got two really good powers, three, arguably three really good powers. Yep. Well, you want to jump in um, the first one for us? Well, okay. The first one is called Premorphic Resonance. It's a blessing. Um, warp charge value six. If manifest, it's like one friendly death watch unit within eighteen. Um, until sorry of the psyker until the next start of your next psychic phase. Uh, you hit on fives with Overwatch. You fight first, and you uh, add plus one to the attacks melee attacks hit roll with that whole unit that gets the blessing. Holy crap! So it's three effects: five Overwatch on fives, um, spikes first. Yep, and also. Plus one to hit. It's it is a value six blessing to pretty much write you can't charge me on a unit because if you do if you charge them they'll Overwatch hit you on fives they'll fight first with plus one to hit. It's actually ridiculous. Well, and the good thing about it, and this is why it's one of those powers that just like that relic. Before, well, not I mean the relics might not be the best example, but what makes it really good is that it doesn't like it just it also just gives a unit plus one to hit so you can use it aggressively you could be charging something and you just give them plus one to hit exactly which is already yep. like a really good effect it's a it's yeah. a very powerful effect we know that the warlock um power the whatever it is in for eldar get plus one to hit i believe on a on a uh, they do um yeah but dude, power. yeah i warp charge six to just to get plus one to hit would be worth it and you just get these other two just for funsies it's crazy yeah i think it's fantastic all right. Um, next to one is Fortified with Contempt. It's a blessing, walk charge value of six. If manifest, select one Death Watch Infantry or Death Watch Biker unit within 18 of the Psyker. Until the start of your next Psychic phase, each time a model in that unit would lose a wound, uh, roll a d6 on a 5 plus, the wound is not lost. They just get a 5 plus, feel no pain uh, within 18 inches of the Psyker on a six. I think this is another incredible power. Well, I think this is better than the other one. Uh, I think the other one, like, because it has so many effects, it, like, looks really good. It's okay. like, oh, it's got this, 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 and this. But 5-up F&P is so much better than 6-up F&P. 100%. This is one of the best powers in the game as of right now. I think, um, yeah, I, I actually think in this metagame and in this edition, it, it is one of the best powers in the game. You know and, what's hilarious? Um, yeah. It's hilarious because Tyranids have exactly the same thing and no one cares because it's on Tyranid models. 
<laughs> but give it to Space yeah. Marines, and it's crazy. Well, exactly. Um, and especially when you combine it with, like, the Apothecary. Obviously, the Apothecary gives the six up, but being able to, like, have guys with five up ignore wound then that then can be resurrected. Like, you're just getting more bang for your buck out of wounds. Yep. So it just makes the apothecary. Even though people would think this conflicts with an apothecary, like, oh, well, why would you take an apothecary if you can just get five plus? Well, it's like, well, no. When you get five plus, it actually makes the healing and the resurrection ability better. So you would combo this with an apothecary. You very well said, man, and you're absolutely right. Um, the next one, this one is Neural Void. This is a malediction. Neural Void has a warp charge value of seven. If manifest, select one enemy unit within 18 of the Psyche until the start of your next Psyche phase. Subtract one from the attack's characteristic of models in that unit. Each time a charge is declared for that unit, only the closest enemy unit can be selected as the target of that charge. How do you feel about this one? Um, I don't know. Like it, it seems, it seems pretty interesting. I just don't know like how applicable it is to write it on your list i don't think this is, is the, i don't think you would take this when you can take those other two powers exactly right exactly freaking right i mean when this was if, if you if you knew you're playing orcs insanely good given given uh, giving, you know 30 boys essentially minus 30 attacks um or uh making forcing them to charge a unit of plebs you don't care about rather than charging your 300 point you know kill team amazingly good even exactly. even, even having this on a libby yeah on a Libby, and then he he puts it, you know, and offers himself up to get charged instead of your game-winning unit. It's it's really good, but you just you just you're not going to write it down compared to those last two we talked about, especially that last one we talked about. So yeah, on to the next brother. If you want to read it, psychic cleanse. So which fire with a warp charge value of six? If manifested, roll one d six for each enemy model within nine of the psyker on a six. That model's unit suffers one model wound. Uh, yeah, moving on. That's <laughs> it's yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those powers that. It, it like it could be good in the right context if it was if it was like a five instead of a, a five up instead of a six it actually would be good but it's not so it's bad so let's move on yeah um next one mantle of shadow blessing mantle of shadow has a warp charge value of six if manifested select one friendly death watch infantry unit within 12 of this psyker until the start of your next psychic phase if that unit does not shoot or declare a charge enemy models cannot target that unit with ranged attacks unless they're within 12 inches of it or it is the closest eligible unit i think this is also a very very good spell yeah this is really good so you want to break it you, you build into how, this you want to yeah you build into it how would you use it where, where where's the mileage well if you t- obviously if you take something like just five intercessors um and it might be from a combat squatted unit of outriders or something we don't know like we'll talk about that later but if you find yourself with five intercessors you just cast this on them they now can reliably hold your backfield objective without worrying about just being shot off exactly. so now you don't have to have an expensive three or four hundred point kill team holding your backfield or three dreadnoughts holding your backfield when you can have five intercessors doing it safely mm-hmm. yes people can drop on them and stuff but you can set up your anti-deep strike denial such that that won't happen you could even have these guys as infiltrators exactly. which would make it even harder to do that just have one so, in the squad and bam yeah you can have one of those kill teams mm-hmm. so i think these are good uh i think that it's i think sorry i think the power is very good but you you need to build into this if you yeah. you build into it in such a way this is a very powerful power that you 100 percent would take and bear in mind you can actually take that that relic from space marines that lets, lets you take an additional power so you could have a libby that has um honors the master libby as well so yeah. you, there's multiple ways to get extra powers. Yeah, agreed. Um, and the last one, this one is, uh, sorry, I think it's your turn. Your turn to read. Uh, okay, Severance. Uh, Malediction. Uh, Severance has a warp charge value of seven. If manifested, select one enemy character within 18 of the Psyker 
that unit takes a model wound until the start of your next psychic phase, reduce the range of that unit's aura abilities by three inches. Mm -hmm. um, but if the result of the psychic test was greater than the character's leadership, then until the start of your next psychic phase, enemy units cannot benefit from that unit's aura abilities. I, I'm trying to figure out how I feel about this. It's a seven to get off, so it's a fifty, a little bit better than a 50-50 coin flip, and you're within 18 inches, so the chances of you being in deny range of your opponent is, is pretty high, um, but the potential upside is enormous. Um, hey, you know, Adam, can I ask you a question? Sure. You know um, that relic, I think it's the that, that, that Space Marine's Libby relic that lets you take an additional power. Mm -hmm. Do you have to list that additional power? For sure. For sure you'd have to. Yeah. You do. So you say I'm taking this relic and listing that power. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty certain you would. I mean, literally, as far as I'm concerned, you have to list pretty much every single thing. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. I was going to say, if you could take that relic and not list your power, list then that relic huge. would be very good. It'd be, it'd be the best thing. then be able to, yeah. Yeah, anything that now that gives you game-to-game -game adaptability is absolutely premium. Um, yep. How do you feel about this? I, I'm, I'm trying to get a feel of, of it, I mean, it sounds phenomenal, but the chances of rolling above a nine, essentially, because that's the... the well, you have to think about it like you have to get the power off. Yep. Then you have to roll over their leadership, which is going to be an eight or a nine. Well, no, you have to, so the, you have to have gotten the power off over their leadership. So you have to have rolled a nine yeah. dice to cast it in order to turn off their auras. Otherwise, it's just minus three. Well, sorry, you don't have to do both. It's just if the psychic test was greater. Yeah. So I guess... If you're rolling, instead of rolling the seven you need, if you're rolling an eight or a nine, so that's not as bad as I thought. No. Um, so you, you still, and if you have a plus one, if you have the, if you have this on a Libby with plus one to cast, mm -hmm. it's obviously a lot better. Absolutely. Now, um, turning off aura abilities is good, but aura abilities have been nerfed. Yeah. So here's where it's cool. Yeah, because you do this in your turn. Um, a lot of things like synapse turning people plan around having X amount of inches on their synapse and then taking three inches away from them, pulling them out of synapse. Abaddon giving a fearless aura to cultists. People plan around that being a six inch aura, make it three inches. All of a sudden, either they have to take three inches off all their movement and all their spread because you've taken this power on your list, or they stuff up, you turn it off, and essentially you might as well have turned off the power already on X amount of units. Um, that's where I can't tell because if that's where I think it might be good. Because you get, it's not a gotcha. You write it on your list. If your opponent knows what it's going to do, but they have to plan accordingly. And I think anything that can make your opponent do that can't be trash. I just don't know if it's good is the issue. I think this might be good if you are taking a Libby to cast Primorphic, like the, the Primorphic Resonance and Fortify with Contempt, which are the two good ones, the, 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 the Mega Blessing yep. and then the Five Up Ignore Wounds. If you're taking those two and then you just decide to take a Chief Librarian to get what? plus one Warlord trait, Yep. Then you get an extra spell, so then you just take that as your extra spell. Well, I actually think you're spot on, because those two ones, um, so Fortify and Contempt, you're playing into that. You're saying, here's my big meaty unit. That's you. I'm going to place it, so you have to shoot it, so I can, and I'm always going to get mileage out of the Feel No Pain. And here's the You Cannot Charge Me Blessing, which is you know the Overwatch and the plus one to hit and fight first. And then, so you're going to have a Libby that's close enough to be using those powers on a relevant unit, so that's probably going to be in their face. So yeah, that would make a lot of sense to put it on that guy as well. Um, and then you know that. So then you're threatening is, this. Yeah, you're threatening. Yeah, and if you, you're very rarely going to use it because the other two powers, one and two, are good enough to just be using every turn, just to get plus one to hit in combat, just to get five up FMP, just to get all these yep. these buffs. But then when Severance is good, it just win, it just can win the game or just have this big swing. Your opponent doesn't see it coming, and and worst case scenario, it's not relevant in the game. It doesn't matter because you didn't take the Master Librarian necessarily for that. You took him primarily for plus one Warlord trait. So that you can get fortified contempt and premorphic resonance off easier. Yep. But then the bonus of him being a chief librarian is that that, that plus one helps to get severance off 
above their leadership. Exactly right. I think so it's actually a nice little, a yeah, nice little package. Those three powers together, very nice little package. The only one, um, see, mantle of shadow is a defensive power. I believe it's it's a power for a Libby that's going to be sitting uh, to the back of the midboard and then just popping, you know, popping it on a unit that you can't shoot anymore. That's just going to be getting your points gain, turn in, turn out. Um, so I feel like they, it's it's kind of the you can go two ways with it. You can, I mean, if you were sitting at the back of the table. You could have uh, fortified with contempt and mantle of shadow. Mantle of shadow goes on the one behind the other unit, and like you know, you've got two objectives, one's in front of the other. The one behind the, the the in the objective behind with five intercessors on it, they can't be targeted anymore. The unit in front of it uh, gets a five plus feel no pain, and then as soon as anybody farts at it, you give them transhuman as well. Um, I feel like that's a nice little combo between those two. But yeah, severance yep. plus those other two makes a lot of sense. But dude. Um, to me, uh, the fact that we, we could talk that long about a, a tree like that, I mean, how long did we talk about the Space Marine tree in the review? It was like seven minutes. We just talked about this one for 15, and we could keep going. Mm-hmm. And, well, I, feel, I feel like this is a really, really good set of powers. Um, and I feel like you, you pretty much agree, yeah? Yeah, I do. I think it's really good. Awesome. Well, moving on to the secondaries. So there's four secondaries here for Death Watch. The first one is uh, Battlefield Supremacy one, and this is the Long Vigil. Um, score 550 points at the end of your command phase if there are no enemy units within six of your deployment zone and there is at least one Death Watch unit excluding aircraft from your army that are wholly within your deployment zone. You cannot score this secondary objective on the first battle round. Uh, I think this is very, very, very good. <laughs> I think this is an incredibly good one and I expect people to see this very often. But uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I think it's interesting, this one, because you're only going to get four opportunities to score it. Um, so you only need to score it in three of those four opportunities to yep. get to max it. But realistically, um, if you scored it twice, you wouldn't be unhappy. You'd be happy to score it twice. Yep. Now, the reason why it's potentially bad is because as good as it sounds, if you actually get a table in front of you, because I've done this, like I've measured it out and added the six inches to a lot of the different deployment zones. It's actually quite easy for an opponent to just get a unit, especially units that they were already going to be using to attempt to uh, get deploy scramblers, attempt to get engage yep. in all fronts. Yep. Armies are already building those units into their army. That these these units are also perfect at denying this. It is also worth an opponent just being aggressive to deny you these five points. So hundred percent, you would you, on if, some, if, in some if, levels. Sorry, go on. If you could deny this, you will deny this. Like I've got ten guardsmen. Yeah, with, and uh, I think you're right. I think, but and and the thing is, it's, it's good on that level. Um, but at the same time, as a Death Watch player where it's got powerful combat abilities in this new edition that also have chonky units that can actually kind of screen out their deployment zone, you can make it so some armies either just can't achieve it because they're Tau or they're an Eldar gun line that just yeah. has a bunch of like, you know, expert crafter stuff, or you just screen them out. So if they're like a Necron army that just wants to run at you, yes, they might have some quick units, but you just make it so they can't get to you potentially. Yep. Well, um, the, the other way and, I like it is yeah. that um, you are you're tempting them, you're baiting them into doing something they possibly don't want to do. Like if, let's say, you were playing against a a chunky Necron army that would be very happy to sit there on the other side of the board, but if they sit there, you've got, let's say, um, I, I can't remember which one um, is while we stand, we fight. Um, but let's say if they sit there on the other side of the board and don't close with you, You've got your three most expensive things off the table. They're going to come in turn three. And if they haven't pushed in on you, you're going to get 15 points into the, the game for that and 15 points into the, the game for this. And they're just going to be starting 30 points down. Making them feed you units into your deployment zone, actually, like literally put units into your face for you to, into your meat grinder um, because you picked this, I feel like could be a very powerful psychological play against a lot of matchups. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think it, it actually combos well with a lot of the other things. It's also good just to have up your sleeve. 
um, mm. for those games where you do play a tower gun line or something. Yeah. So, well, you know, this is, I'm just going to pick that. Or you have a specifically good deployment zone. This isn't very good in uh, uh, Vanguard where you, yeah. sorry, is it Vanguard? Where you yes. When you've got, a very, you've got a very long um, table edge that's very hard to defend yeah. on, on some edges. It's not good in that. No. But it's very good in like Dawn, like Dawn of War or even the other one. Um, Hammer and Anvil. It's amazing. Hammer and Anvil. Yeah. Um, on to the next one. This one is a purge of the enemy. This is Cull Order. Um, if you selected this secondary objective, then after both sides have finished deploying, start with your opponent. Sorry, starting with your opponent. Both players alternate selecting battlefield roles, HQ, troops, etc., from the units in your opponent's army until three different battlefield roles have been selected. If your opponent's army does not include units with three battlefield roles, select as many as possible. At the end of the battle, for each battlefield role that was selected, score five victory points if every enemy unit in your opponent's army with that battlefield role has been destroyed. Uh, so you're going to get one of these choices. Your opponent's going to get two of these choices because it starts with them and there's only three. So they're going to start with their hardest ones to kill, probably HQs, most likely. Yep, okay. they're going to start with HQs or troops if they have like a massive horde. Massive towards, yeah, exactly right. It's going to be very obvious when this is even an option. And I don't think this is going to be an option all that often because I think it gives too much agency to your opponent. Um, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I think you're right. I think there'll be some armies, though, where it's actually a good choice, where, they, for example, they have they have two troops choices. Sorry, two HQ choices. Yep. You know, a couple of LH choices, a couple of fast attack. They're just, they're just kind of gone broad. Mm. And if they've gone broad, then they might be able to pick one choice to deny you. They might have like a bunch of flyers or a bunch yep. of whatever. And they say, okay, I'm picking aircraft um, or, or whatever flyers. Um, and then you might not get that. But then the other one they pick, as well as the one you pick, you'll probably get. So yep. then you'll get an easy 10 mm. and then they'll try to deny you the last five. In that situation, it's good, but that's going to be very rare because most of the time people will have three or four HQs that are hard to get. Okay. They'll pick that. And then you'll pick the one that you think you can get. And even if you think you can get it, they might just hide, like, you know, might just hide it just to deny you points. Like, it isn't as good as it seems. Yeah. Well, it's after both sides have um, finished deploying as well. So you can plan. Um, so they, they have to show you, they have to tell you which one. Oh, wait, sorry. When do you pick, when do you pick objectives? Is it after deployment? Or is it before you write it down before deployment? No, you pick it before, but this yeah. actual this one specifies kicks, you actually do it later. Kicks in after like this only takes action after deployment. So you you've got full knowledge of this as the opponent. So you can say, oh, for my first one, I'm not going to pick HQs because I'm going to pick that for my third one. My first one, I'm going to pick my three units of eliminators, which for one CP are all going to be in reserve for three turns. And when they come in, they're going to walk into terrain. I'm never going to use them. And so what? It's costing me. 210 points of my army it's going to cost you five points of the game so there's 10 points you can't possibly well no they it ha the selection happens after you deployments they would have had to have already reserved yeah, their eliminators yeah exactly right but as as the opponent i get two choices so i can reserve the eliminators knowing I'm that's going to be my first choice for, and then I, and the second one's going to be my hqs so i can make two horrific choices uh, yes, yes, and yes, guarantee yes, yes. you can't get 10 points that's why i feel like it's always going to be bad um yeah i, I agree i i don't think i don't think it's particularly good mm. all right you want to read the next one mate uh, Shadow Operations, Cripple Stronghold. Um, Cripple Stronghold uh, is a progressive objective. If you selected this secondary objective, then after both sides have finished deploying, your opponent must select one objective marker on the bit of battlefield to be the location of their stronghold objective marker. If any, if any objective markers are wholly within your opponent's deployment zone, one of these must be selected to be the stronghold objective marker. If you selected the secondary objective, the Death Watch, um, then Death Watch infantry units from your army can attempt the following action, as described in the Warhammer rulebook. Your action is called Cripple Stronghold. 
One Death Watch infantry unit from your army can start to perform this action at the end of your movement phase if it is within range of the stronghold objective marker and no enemy units, excluding aircraft, are within range of that objective marker. This action is completed at the start of your next command phase as long as the unit performing the action is still within range of the same objective marker. Score six victory points each time a unit from your army successfully completes this action. This is awful. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm going to say this is awful. <sighs> the only time this is good is when there's no objectives that are like easily defensible for them. Yes, yeah. But the, it just says that if there's one wholly within the deployment zone, it has to be that one. So it has to be yeah. the hardest possible one on the table. That, that, yeah. that bothers me. Um, obviously, if it's you, not good. If, if you get, if you score this objective, you freaking table them. Like, to all intents and purposes. If they can't, if uh, your opponent cannot defend their easiest to defend objective, you've, this, this is a win more in every sense of the word. If you're already winning. Yeah, it's, a, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. Um, and for, to, I, I'd want this to have 10 points to do it once. Like, if this was 10 points to do it once, you could have this overwhelming single-turn commitment to pushing them off and holding them off. And cool, get 10 points, maybe I get to do it another turn. But you're just never going to do this for three turns in any game that is hard to win. Like, I feel like they probably wrote it like that. I actually wouldn't be surprised if they wrote this to be 10 or 12 points for just yeah. doing it once. And then they realized, oh, wow, it's too strong because they just go all in on it. And yeah, exactly. it's a bit annoying. So, yeah. Anyway, last one. No mercy, no respite. And this is Suffer, Not the Alien. Uh, this one I quite like because this is very flavorful for Death Watch. A score with victory point at the end of the battle for each enemy, Tyranids, Eldari, Orcs, Necrons, or Tau Empire unit destroyed by a Death Watch from your army during the battle. So this is uh, kill points. This is just, oh, cool. Uh, I'm playing Xenos, taking kill points. I like this a lot. This is, you have to kill 15 units to get 15 points from it. So realistically, they have to be a heavy MSU army, right? Yeah, you're right. But yeah, the, the, where, where this is going to be good, you're going to know it's good. Like Harlequins, uh, Dark Eldar. Things that want to be MSU already. This is very. This is actually quite good against um, where you can pop yeah. one, when you can pop one weak venom and then take out five cabalites and get two points. It's not too bad. I think so, and I think if if you're depending on the meta and the, like the way the games are playing in your in your specific, you know, literally just your meta game. Sometimes in your meta game, you, you might only need to score seven or eight points from the secondary for it to be good because you might be playing this 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 meta where everyone's just denying secondaries as like try in their army, yep. or you might be playing. A meta where people are a bit looser with their secondaries and you're expected to get more points. Um, if you're playing the former, former of those where less points is necessary for it to be good, um, then I think it's better more often because if you only need like seven or eight points for this to be worth it, then it's quite achievable to kill seven or eight things in your opponent's army if you're playing Xenos. Yep, absolutely agree. So, so that, it's not as bad as it sounds, but mm. it's still obviously in some games is horrible and in some games is just an auto tape. Yeah, exactly right. Um, all right, so jumping over, that's the end of the second. I feel like the long vigil is the obvious best choice here. And the other two are pretty mediocre. Um, actually, the other three are pretty mm. mediocre. The kill points is still is I think good. So. And you, when, you, when it's good, it's going to be very good. But when it's every other time, it's going to be pretty trash. So we're going to take a jump ahead in pages. We're going to be jumping to page 50. This is where we start getting into the um, abilities of uh, Death Watch. And the first one here is special issue ammunition. Um, each time a unit is selected to shoot, each time uh, a unit is selected to shoot, if it contains any models that are equipped with a weapon with this ability, then before you select any targets, each weapon with this ability can fire special issue ammunition. If any do, select one of the ammunition types below for that weapon to the end of the phase. Each time that weapon is fired, apply the modifiers and abilities associated with that uh, ammunition. The first one, Dragonfly Bolts, each time an attacker made with this weapon, um, 
fires their special edition ammunition. The target does not receive the benefits of cover against the attack, so that would also ignore the minus one to hit. Um, then it's got hellfire rounds. Each time an attack is made with this weapon, um, targets against a unit that does not have vehicle or titanic, add one to that attack's wounds roll. Very potent. Um, and then kraken bolts. Um, each time you shoot with this special shoot ammo, add six to the range characteristic and improve the armor penetration value by this attack by one. This is not cumulative with armor penetration bonuses. No, it, it is cumulative. This is cumulative. Apologies. I, I assumed it said it is not. Um, then the last one is vengeance rounds. Each time an attack is made with a weapon firing the special shoot ammo, add one to the damage. Um, there is a lot to disseminate there, but straight off the bat, Jez, which one's your favorite? Um, probably vengeance. But, like, that's because it's changed. I think Kraken Bolts is still probably the best. Um, I, I think Kraken Bolts is so flexible. I think Kraken Bolts is your bread and butter bolter one, but Vengeance Bolts, my god, that looks so good on some of the heavy intercessors. It is very good. It is like, and it's new because they before this was the one that went at AP two. Yeah. Um, you got AP two in short range. Fun. Yeah. Now it's damage two, so it's changed a lot. It's very good. Mm, I, I like this quite a bit. And there's no downside. I would have thought it would be minus six inch to your range and plus one damage. But it's just pff, take the plus one damage, mate. Enjoy. Um, I I think this is pretty flexible. I, I can foreshadow a few things in saying that not as many things as I would have liked have this ability. Um, I think it's only the veteran units, yeah? Well, pretty much. I mean, it says any models that are equipped with a weapon that has that. And it's pretty much just Death Watch bolters. So yeah. most of the weapons on Primaris don't have this. Uh, I'm pretty sure all of them don't. It's just pretty much just def- things that have Death Watch bolters. So the normal old dudes, pretty much, I think. Yeah, even the Terminators don't have it. Like, um, I feel like that was a little bit of a missed opportunity because this is one of the, the very flavorable and spicy things that um, they bring to the table. And it just doesn't seem, it seems like they've been a bit um, reserved with giving it out. Um, I'm not quite sure why. Like, I mean, have you got well, any I think it's, you think I it think it's because. Deathwatch used to have this like very like specific and niche pool of units it could choose from, um, and as a result, they could kind of like get on top of how good it could be. Whereas now, because they've just given Deathwatch all the things Marines can get, as well as just like their chapter tactic, giving them this as well would just make them just by far the best Marines. Yeah, um, that, that is fair. At least by limiting fair. it, I think this would have been more flavorful to pay for it. Like kind of like you pay for those things. If you could pay to give models this, it would have been really cool. You still I, have those models that become auto takes, like whether it's centurions or I would love to have seen or whatever. I would love to have seen delete the kill team specializations and have it. You pay X amount of points to give different units, uh, special issue ammo, like heavy heavy intercessors being the most expensive, or uh, centurions being the most expensive, and then it goes down all cool. the way down to like a scout being the cheapest. Um, that would have been a much better than what they gave us in here because I don't know. I would rather special issue be a notable thing than the kind of kill team specializations. Um, and I feel like it's a bit of a missed opportunity. But uh, anyway, moving on. Yeah. So one of the special and spicy things about Death Watch, what really distinguishes them from other Space Marine armies is the fact that they have mixed units. So you can have a unit that has uh, an Intercessor, Hellblaster, um, et cetera, et cetera. You can have a unit that has um, Vanguard Veteran, Biker, uh, veteran marine and a terminator all in the same same squad now there are there are three there are four different ones of these four different versions of them and uh we're going to i'll castrate the first one for you guys now this one is the proteus kill team and this is this essentially is your traditional kill team what we have known from um the last essentially last edition this one contains uh one was sergeant and four death watch veterans and it can have five, up to f- uh, five of the following in any combination so and that's a, an additional five death watch veterans up to five Deathwing Terminators, so Death Watch Terminators, apologies. Um, bikers, Vanguard Veterans. Um, the abilities is you can only turbo boost if the unit only contains bikers. Um, 
and it has melter bombs if you have a Vanguard vet in there. Um, and then it has um, it has a Terminator keyword if you have Death Watch Terminators. Um, so only Death Watch, Death Wing, Death Watch, so many Death shit. Uh, and then it gets the biker keyword only has bikers left in it. Now you don't have any really. So it used to have a bunch of associated associated buffs that you used to get for including different things. Like Terminators used to make you fearless. Um, and as we noted before, the jump action you could fall back and shoot the bike, you could fall back and charge. That that's all been scrapped and it's pretty much been transcribed under ever into a bunch of different stratagems. But do you still like the basic? Kill team. I mean, it's got a bunch of extra wounds now. But how do you feel about it? It used to be your bread and butter. I like it. I like it for literally exclusively one reason, um, yep. and that's because you can take uh, terminators with thunderhammer storm shield to, to get the one up save. Yeah. Yep. Um, but the problem is, and I, I've noticed this in the games I'm playing, is that what you used to do with Death Watch is you used to have these storm shields that would be, you know tanking damage, but the, the unit would be putting out all this shooting through special issue ammo storm bolters. So you'd be putting out all this damage, but then you tank it on storm shields and it would be, you know, you'd, you'd have this combination of survivability and output. Whereas now, if you do spend all these points on those terminators, you then don't have shooting output because those terminators don't shoot mm-hmm. and you don't really, like the bolters now, the storm bolters can't get special ammo. So you've just got normal bolters with special ammo. So you kind of, you're not shooting that well but you're taking these models to protect your shooting that doesn't shoot that well. I think yeah. they're still interesting because they're just an, they're just a survivable unit, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're the best kill team. I think they're interesting and they're fun, um, and I have a bunch of them, so I'll probably give them a shot, but I, don't, I think the power in this codex lives in the kill teams yet to come. So well, unfortunately, what, what made these guys good was previously was what you said, those being able to fall back and do all those things. The Terminator making them fearless was really cool because you just, you'd never had to worry about morale, but now that's not a thing anymore. So it's really annoying to, to lose a bunch of guys, fail your morale check, and then be rolling to just lose 45 point Terminators. Yeah, that's horrible, isn't it? It's not great. So, <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like they lost a little bit too much. It would have been nice for them to keep, whether it's special issue ammo on their bolters or storm bolters, or maybe, um, I don't know, maybe be able that it can't even take a black shield in the unit now. Yeah. Like, I know. So that would have been really nice. I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit, it's a bit, it feels a bit lackluster now. It feels like it doesn't do as much on either front as it used to. But I mean, admittedly they did like essentially double in the amount of wounds that you can now take at that unit. So maybe there still is enough there that the fact that they, they still hold that resiliency per point. Um, but anyway, tell they, us about- they do. Yep. Sorry. Tell us about they the do, but they can't transhuman now. So yeah, you, you, you only transhuman on the other kill teams, which makes a big difference to their, their potency. Do mm. um, you want to jump into the next one for us? All right. So the Fortis kill team is made using the kind of traditional Primaris models. So Intercessor, Assault Intercessor, Outrider, and Hellblaster. Yep. Um, now that one, it basically, it, it gives you some other options you can take. You can you can take like the the stalker bolt rifles and things like that on the on the dudes. You can also swap the weapons on the hellblasters. Um, you gain um, devastating charge only on outriders, and you can ter- you can only use the turbo boost ability if their unit contains out um, only outriders. Mm. So that's interesting. It's an interesting little. Yeah, thing they've put there. Distinction. I feel like this is your favorite one. Yeah, this is my favorite one. I'll obviously talk about it shortly. The reason why I really like this one um, is because you can take five outriders in a unit. Yeah. So when we analyzed outriders when we did the Space Marine thing, I, I feel like the reason why I thought that ATVs 
were better and actually better than ATVs. I actually think the Space Marines' bike unit entry is better. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that was because you just could take more models. Yeah, you were saying that as attack bikes as well, yeah, which are are taking off quite prolifically now as a a decent option also. But um, yeah, we we thought there was a hard cap placed on how good um, outriders could be by dint of there only being three three people per squad. Now, we thought if you went to five, you would dodge all the blast negatives, you would dodge the coherency negatives, and also you'd be a much better platform in order to stack a bunch of buffs on. Now... We'll go, we'll go into this a bit more in what an army creation aspect looks like for this, you know, a couple of Fortis kill teams. But the fact that you can combat squad this at the start of the game, one that crea- that in a sense, in, a, in essence, has five intercessors and five outriders, makes this just phenomenal. And it it kind it, it of the mold of what was you were able to do before with a Space Marine book. Um, so we, we should leave it here. We should we should tempt people to to try and watch the second. Okay, we'll, we'll tempt people into coming to the patrons because guys, if you thought these were good, wait until. <laughs> hear me really tell you about them yeah. so we'll leave that one so we'll jump into the uh indomita kill team this one is this is a <laughs> i think there's a typo here it starts off with an fortis kill team yeah it is fortis well. kill team, not even a fortis <laughs> kill team let indomita wow kill team. Uh, <laughs> that's terrible it includes one heavy intercessor and sergeant and four heavy intercessors and it can contain more heavy intercessors more aggressors inceptors and eradicators so this is your gravis armor um kill team which sounds pretty and this cool. is this is cool as well yeah and so you can have all the natural upgrades you can do you can change all the weapons on the uh heavy intercessors or the inceptors you can you know go flamestorm or boldstorm gauntlets on the aggressors etc etc um i i don't know how i feel about this one i think it's i think it's pretty cool because this is this is a really hard unit this is this is i really like it three i more like it almost, almost, almost as much as the fortis one i think the fortis one is better um Primarily just because it's it's bigger. It's T five if you take five bikes. Yeah. Um with this one up being just about as many wounds. I, wait a second. Are heavy intercessors toughness five? I don't think they are. Yeah, are they? They are, yeah, they are. This is all gravis. Oh, they everything, are. So this everything one can go T five. Everything in this is toughness five with three wounds. Okay. Well, I, I like this one. And to be honest, I think that it plays a little bit different to the Fortis kill team. I think you would use both. In the army that I would play, I would be using both for, for separate reasons. I think um, it's just very chunky. Like if you look at what these things are and what they do, they actually output quite – obviously you start with those um, five heavy intercessors. That's your starting point. They're not a bad model. I just don't think they're bad at all. No. Um, and then on top of that, you're gaining the ability to take what are quite good Marines. So people well, like Inceptors, people like Eradicators, people like Aggressors. Well, so um, the Aggressors have lost a lot of power in the transition into into the new book, but man, Inceptors and Eradicators are two of the best choices available to Space Marines. And the fact that you can take those and th- put five of them in a squad of your flavor and then protect them with 15 Toughness 5 wounds that you can give a 5 buff fill, fill in their pain to or support with an Apothecary, incredibly good to my mind. Yeah, I, I think it just depends what you like. And that's the thing. This is the good thing about this kill team is it appeals to your your individual taste. Like, mm. for example, I really like aggressors. In, the, in I think they're underrated for, for several reasons. I think one reason is um, because they lost their shoot twice ability. Yep. But if you deep strike this unit and shoot with it and then charge with it, you, you, you were never going to get that shoot twice anyway. Yeah, true. So yep. you'd be you'd be drop them down, you absolutely vape something in front of you, and then you take your seven-inch charge with your chaplain into something else. And those aggressors have power fists and hit mm. very hard. They do. And they're giving your unit the combat ability. So 
I think just a unit with five heavy intercessors and five aggressors is strong. I think it's extremely powerful. It can pop the stratagem for plus one save. It um, also can do the transhuman. I just think it's really good. I think it's very good as well. All right, on to the last one. This is the Spectrus kill team. A Spectrus kill team, so it starts off correct, has one infiltrator sergeant and four infiltrators. I'm already annoyed, but we'll continue. Um, you can take more infiltrators, incursors, reavers, or eliminators. Um, and of course, you have all the options available to that. The reason I'm annoyed is I wish it started with a not taking the most expensive option. I wish it started with either incursors or reavers. Um, being the cheaper of those two options. Um, and naturally, eliminators are more expensive, though. They're 30 points per model. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm annoyed that you st- you have to pay for five infiltrators in that unit. I wish you had the option to pay for the cheaper incursors at times because it is, I believe it is like 10 points per model cheaper. Um, so it ends up being just a 50-point saving aroundabouts. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, I want to start this this uh, little, little spiel by just reading um, the stratagem for terror troops. Yep. Um, Oh, no, it says select one Reaver unit. Okay, so the, it doesn't say unit with... It has to be just a unit of Reavers. Okay, doesn't work. Just... Um, <laughs> because Terra Tri- I thought it might have, and I just wanted mm-hmm. to check. I'm looking at the keyword but it doesn't. Right now. So, it says it doesn't, yeah. Yeah, so that would have been good to be able to do that. But none, nonetheless, like, I don't, I don't think this kill team has the power that the other ones have. I think if it had the ability to do that, maybe... But Deathwatch, having OBSEC and denying OBSEC is not Deathwatch's problem because they have OBSEC already. Yeah. So these kill teams that just go on and as troops just go on and, and um, take objectives, they will kill enough stuff to be able to take and hold objectives. That's not really their problem. Um, this kill team doesn't really know what it wants to do. As you said, infiltrators are expensive. Yeah. Being able to give that aura across the unit is kind of cool, but it's... It's cool to take more than five eliminate more than three eliminators in a unit, and I think in the previous edition when eliminators could shoot out a line of sight, it was it better. Been, it would have been really good. Um, but and there's still neat. There's still times where eliminators are strong to be able to target characters, but I don't think this is a kill team. A kill team you'll see much of. Me honest, I mean, you do have the redeploy stratagem because everything in this has Phobos armor, but I just hate you don't get the terror troops. If you got the terror troop stratagem, this would legitimately be a janky toolboxy unit. But that's the only thing missing from it. Like, it's yeah. De- I think it. I think it, it deserves. It deserves the ability to get it. it. Reavers deserve to feel good. You know. Um, so yeah, because I mean, I could see you taking five evil traders, one reaver, um, and a bunch of eliminators, um, and then just jumping up and down, redeploying, being janky, being annoying, combat squatting out to have to do a bunch of different stuff. Um, one thing that's really cool. Um, is you have eliminators sitting in uh, a piece of terrain. A lot of people would love to deep strike things like Inceptors and pick up those eliminators. Putting one um, infiltrator in a unit with four eliminators actually keeps them very safe from a lot of things. You can't deep strike and charge them. You uh, can't deep strike and be in rapid fire range of a lot of a lot of weapons. Um, and yeah, you can really do some jank and push back redeploys and stuff. The biggest problem with this unit is that it doesn't have any defensive models. Like every other kill team, like Proteus have the Terminators, Fortis mm-hmm. have your just the fact that you've got. I'll, tell, I'll talk about that later. Dude, Fortis have Outriders. They don't need. Fortis, Fortis have Outriders, and they have they have a cheaper Bladeibs. They have the Intercessors yeah. just to be a Bladeibs when All you the need them. Intercessors, which right. are even cheaper. Yeah, exactly. And Indomitor has um actually has tankiness just through Chonk, just pure yeah. Chonk. This actually doesn't kill um, anything either, man. Like this, the, the damage output. Yeah, so it's, it's not really good. good. I think I think the first three are the best. I think the best one 
is Fortis, but I think Indomitable is the second. I think Proteus is good. I'll still play with Proteus because my whole army is Proteus. Yeah. So for me to be able to play the new ones, I actually have to go and spend two grand on, on models, um, <laughs> Suck which I don't have. So if any of the patrons want to fund me, you know, speak to Adam and we'll arrange it. I'll like to go fund me in the Patreon. Bye, Jez. Yeah, please do. But um, until then... Like I do, I do think the last kill team it's cool, but just not good enough. All right, guys, so that is we have reached the two hour mark of this bad boy, and we we have um, the essentially we're up to the data sheets. So we have it's only a handful of data sheets, and we can encapsulate them very quickly. So we're going to go about our business here and just punch through these as we do. The first one up is a Watchmaster. So this is uh, what you'd expect. This is your essentially your chapter master equivalent. And this is the funny thing is this is still a chapter master. We, I thought that I assumed this. Guy would get downgraded in some way, shape, or form to be um, like a, just a captain because I thought the watch captain would get ditched, and it has the generic watch captain is no longer in this book. So I assumed that was going to he was going to go, and he would get just you know this watch master would become the, what the watch captain was, and you'd have to upgrade him like as you do with others. Um, but no, he's he's retained his chapter master status now. He's um, the stat line reads uh, movement six, whip skill blitz skill two plus strength and toughness four, six wounds, four attacks, leadership nine. 2 plus save. The Vigil Spear, as we read out before, 24-inch uh, range, rapid fire 1, strength 4, minus 1, 2 damage. Special issue ammunition. Then he's in shoot, and so in melee, it's strength plus 1, minus 3, and D3 damage. Has an Iron Halo, a standard. Um, has a Watch Master in your command phase, select one friendly um, Death Watch core, Death Watch character unit within a 6 of this model. They get full rerolls to hit um, for that turn. And then it also has the Captain's or a reroll once to hit as well. Now he clocks in at a pretty pretty decent i mean it's pretty chunky 125 points but man i actually think he's fan freaking tastic what are your thoughts i think he's good for his cost i i actually think he he's worth more in turn i i think the only reason you take him is because he's cheap like if he was costed at like a chapter master equivalent cost which would be about 150 160 points for what this guy has if you look at all his war gearing if you if you calculated that as per the codex where you had to pay the 40 points or whatever it is for chapter master Yep. This guy actually would be like 160 points. Yes, correct. I mean, but, a regular, at which point? A regular captain comes sorry. in at 85, but then you'd need to upgrade him to an equivalent of the Vigilist Spear and give him the two plus save somehow. Um, and he has an extra wound. And he has, um, you know, like he, he comes well, with all yes. these other things. Yes, and Artificer Armor. Yeah, as standard. I, I think he has a lot to offer over a, over a regular. Um, chapter master and on top of that you know yeah i think he's just cool i think he's just really really good and adds a lot to your army that you need yeah you, but the thing is when you take a chapter master you always take him with mobility so the reason why this guy is is he's he's he loses mobility but he gains all these like cheap things mm. so he's worth it so you probably will take him um, I think you, I in think your army good. he's the only he's also the only way to change mission uh your your um your chapter tactic xenos hunters thing mid-game yeah yep. so exactly. you probably would want him just for that awesome um jumping over to watch captain artemis you want to have a read of him yeah artemis um he's just got the captain stat line pretty much across the board yep um then he's he he's fixed with his he's got a uh hellfire extremist combi flamer that's got basically a normal bolt gun profile with special issue ammo but then the flamer has a special profile where he basically is just a flamer but that wounds on two plus against non-vehicle and non-totanic units so assault e6 strength two damage one but if yep. it's a non-vehicle or Titanic wounds on a on a two plus, so interesting. He's got a mastercrafted power sword, so two damage power sword, and a stasis grenade, which is the reason you would take him. Actually, yeah. I think. <laughs> um, he basically can only be used once for battle. Each time an attack is made with this weapon, well, that's weird because he can only do it once anyway. <laughs> I know this weapon can only be used once for battle. 
when it, you attack with it, roll, if a hit is scored, the target suffers D6 mortal wounds in the attack sequence. Here. Mm-hmm. Now, so he well, also yeah. has six up FMP. Yep. He has his normal rights of battle reroll ones aura, and he has an iron halo. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's essentially a captain with a Mastercrafter Power Sword, which most captains come, Primaris captains come with standard anyway. He's not Primaris though. Um, he's got a Combi Flamer, which is cute, um, especially shoot ammo. And then he's, he's kind of cutie stasis grenade and six up feel no pain. But he is 110 points. A regular, he's not good. Regular he's so a really, dude. Yeah. Regular captain's 85. And so you're paying 35 points for essentially the grenade and six up FNP. Um, but this guy used to be that. Remember, this guy used to be that model in the Inquisitor range. He was a big model. Was he? He mightn't have been around for that. But back, back ages ago, when they increased, incre- introduced a game called Inquisitor that was like a, oh, yes. a much bigger yeah, the, scale game. Yeah, this guy's model yeah. was sick. He was huge. And and he, he basically had the same pose as this, by the mm-hmm. way. They just, re- they just made him smaller. Which is but like, he's such a cool historical figure in 40K, or you know, at least as a Death Watch dude. I'm surprised they haven't made him good. They could have just yeah. done anything to make him good, you know. Like, dude, I'm 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 fine with his his mastercraft power sword's fine. Strength plus one, minus three, damage two. That's respectable. It's fine. His gun is shit. His a grenade is cute, but six inch range. If you get to use it, he's dead next turn. Um, and he's got no special rules that make him stand out in any way. A six up feel no pain on five wounds essentially makes him six wounds. Six wounds is not going to change him living or dying in like any perceivable manner. If they made it like d6 plus three mortal wounds or something then you might actually say wait a second this guy he becomes good at deleting going through involved saves like if someone's got an involved save he just kills that character like it's, that would be cool essentially paying 35 points for the grenade don't make it once per game it's only six inch range it's very hard to get off very hard to use yeah exactly don't make it once per game and he'd be worth the points he'd be amazing he'd be this great kind of deterrent to, to running into like a death watch army but instead he's just like huh, throw the grenade roll the one take one mortal wound i'm dead it, it's just not I good. agree, actually. Um, That's, that would fix him. Um, Chaplain Cassius is the next one, who's also a really iconic mad lad um, running around. Yeah, well, it's Cassius. Um, this is him This is him earlier in his career before he went through his like <laughs> big meltdown, whatever happened to him. Oh, if his face um, got thrown off by the Tyranids. Um, yeah, all that stuff. He has uh, <laughs> web skill uh, 2, bliss skill 3+, plus, strength toughness 4, 4 wounds, 4 attacks, uh, leadership 10, 3+, plus save. Deathwatch bolt pistol, which essentially is just a bolt pistol with special issue, and an artifice acrosius, which is plus 2 strength, AP 2, damage 2. Um, his special rules, uh, spiritual leader, he gives his um, leadership to units within six. Fiery conviction. Each time a model, this model recites a litany, add one to the dice roll to see if it's inspiring. So it goes off on a two plus. Um, and then there's a four plus vulnerable save. Designers note, this data sheet is intended to represent Chaplain, Chaplain Cassius in his early point in his life. Um, and this, sorry, then the data sheet is represented in Codex Supplement Ultramarines. As such, if you want to field thematic Death Watch army, we recommend it does not also include Cassius. Um, oh, sorry. Both this unit and Primary units. So it's it's telling you don't play this guy with primary units. No one's going to take that advice. No, <laughs> no one's going to listen to that. No one's going to listen That's to that. That's so silly. Never heard of that rule. Um, Never heard of it. This I will notes. say that he's actually good value. If you're going to take a chaplain, you would actually take him. Also, what he's um, uh, he's 100 points. Yeah. So points. I think he's is he? Yeah. Okay. So um, obviously, if you're going to take a chaplain, you take a master of sanctity on a bike. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. But then let's assume you have him. Chaplain Cassius is a good secondary chaplain because he. Yeah. For a small premium, he he's uh, Artificer Crozius just is an extra strength on top of a normal. Sorry, an extra AP on top of a normal Crozius, which is actually pretty good because Crozius's AP one is kind of kind of annoying. Mm. Um, he also has leadership ten, 
which means yes. that his ability to extend his leadership is actually relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and lastly, he gets plus one to inspire. So if you have a, a um, Master of Sanctity that's got plus one to, you know, expiring on two plus over two litanies, this guy gives you another two plus litany. So then you can have three litanies all going off on twos. And that lets you let's let that, that it takes the chains off for the um the biker chappy. He can run around, be get aggressive, um, use the the charge um, bonuses, use the the bonus the mantra strength to buff himself. This guy can stay back with your say your um indomitable kill team, giving plus one to hit, plus one to wound litanies very reliably. And on top of that, he's not a bad beast stick in and of himself. To if someone is to try and come and tap you, you can intervene or charge well, in if there. He is, and, and the beauty of it is, if he is actually babysitting uh, a unit of intercessors or something backfield that extra leadership could be the difference between you you know losing that guy to morale if you got if you got an indomitable kill team you dudes running away is like the worst thing ever they all cost like 50 points a piece yeah genuinely (laughs) he's actually good i think just a lot of people would look at him in notorian and just like oh they're they're just you know whatever they're fluffy but cassius is is a good chaplain Mm -hmm. um yeah so he there's not much more to say i agree um you want to tell us about codisa Codicia Notorian, who I've never heard of before. You always give me the bad ones. Um, okay, so <laughs> so Codicia Notorian is a Libby stat line. Oh, he's got weapon skill 2+, plus, weapon skill 3+, plus, 4, 4, 4, 3 attacks, leadership 9, 3 plus save. But a Death Watch bolt pistol, which is just a bolt pistol with special ammo. He's got a, a special staff called Judy's Revelation, which is um, a melee staff, plus 1 strength, AP 4, and D3 damage. That's a special just, sword, by the way. But yeah. What is it? It's a special four sword. Okay, special four sword. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yes. Sorry. I'm just looking at him now. Um, okay. So he's got a psychic hood, and then he's a battle psyker, which uh, which gives him each time the model attempts to manifest smite or witch fire pass, uh, power, add one to the um, test. So he's got plus one, but only against witch fire and smites. Mm-hmm. Then he has uh, he can uh, manifest two and deny one, which as per a normal Libby, and yep. no smite and two powers from Xenoperch. He costs so, a hundred points. He, you're paying more for him to just get plus one to witch fires and smite, and he's, it's slightly better. So, just put this in perspective: he is five points more expensive than a primary Libby, which has more attacks and more wounds. And all you're oh. really getting is plus one weapon skill and plus one to cast smite, essentially, because the witch fires in Xenophase are trash. Xeno um, They are they? Wait, what's that? Yes, because the one we liked was actually Melediction, the last power, wasn't it? It was, yeah. So there's only one witch yeah. fire, and it's not good. Yeah, so you would only take him if you actually wanted some smite power in your army. Yeah. Um, exactly. But let's be honest, you wouldn't take it. So, yep, so that's the characters. He's bad. All right, moving on to Death Watch veterans. These are pretty much unchanged. They're very much unchanged in a lot of ways, but very much changed in some. They got another wound. They got another wound, but the Storm Shield is no is a little bit more relevant, a little bit less relevant. And on top of that, the Storm Bolters don't get a special issue. They can take a Death Watch bolt gun, or and they've still got the which essentially just is a bulk gun with special issue. They've also got the frag cannons, which I think have changed a little bit. I'll just read them out. Um, so the frag round is uh, range twelve, assault two d three, strength six minus one one damage blast, and then the shell round is twenty four inch assault two strength seven minus two two damage. They've also got the death watch shotgun still. There's the crypt clearer, eighteen inch assault two strength five. That's it. Um, worm's breath, eight inch assault d six strength four one damage. Um, Automatically here, so it essentially is just a flamer with a crappy range. And Xeno Purge, which is Assault 2, Strength 4, minus 1, 2 damage. Of course, they've got the Infernus Heavy Bolter as well, which is just a heavy bolter, heavy flamer strapped together. Stalker Pattern Bolt Gun, which is as you would expect. And of course, they've got their very cute Heavy Thunder Hammer, which is uh, 4 damage. 
and the rest is just a thunder hammer. Like all of this stuff, though, is pretty much improved. Like, it's, yeah. except, and this is the sad thing about vets is that obviously the stat lines improved. They have two wounds, but the shotguns are actually. If you, people like look at those shotgun shells options, the last one, Xenopurge, twelve inch range, assault two, strength four, AP one, two damage on a shotgun. Mm-hmm. Like it's actually it's good. The problem is that the reason people took vets. Is not for any of this stuff. People didn't take vets for frag cannons. People didn't take vets for death watch shotguns. People didn't take vets for heavy thunder hammers. People took vets for uh, storm shields and storm bolts with special ammo. Exactly right. And unfortunately, both of those things got nerfed on veterans. Mm-hmm. I would rather a veteran with a three up involved than a two up save. Uh, 100%. I agree as well. Because um, no, so it, it, it just. Unfortunately, they like I, I like them, and I'm going to try to make them work in some respects because I've got a whole army of them. But to be honest, um, they're not they're not good. Like the only interest, the funny it's worth giving you a fu- the funny thing in this unit though. We we which unfortunately you can't take the black shield in a uh, an actual team. kill team. Mm. But he look at him, he's an actual beast. The black shield yeah. has weapon skill two plus. Um, he has three base attacks, mm-hmm. and if he has he has a rule that if he has two combat weapons, he gets an extra attack. Mm-hmm. So if you give him a thunder hammer and a chainsword. He now he's a, he's a captain. He's got four attacks with weapon yeah. skill two plus. Yeah, I agree. He's, he's just a captain. An he's actually an animal. Um, where so I don't mind the shoddy. Uh, the Zeno Purge round um, is actually pretty attractive on the deep strike. Deep striking in with the assault two. Um, the twelve inch range is very limiting. You can only literally shoot what's in front of you unless you're already winning. In which case, you know, congratulations. The Death Watch bolt gun just lackluster, man. Like two shots at. Uh, either strength four no render two damage, not going to do much, or strength four minus one one damage, also not going to do much. Um, I just feel like special issue has people will think it's good. People will still take them, but the problem is you forget that what Death Watch used to be. Death, I mean yeah. you don't, but Death Watch <laughs> used to drop down, shoot thirty seven shots, assuming you had the, the the you know the um Vanguard veteran and the and the bike in the unit, shoot down, shoot thirty seven shots that would you know be hitting re rolling. That then were special ammo um, rounds like hellfire, hellfire yeah. rounds, wounding on twos. Yeah, it was like the most consistent anti. It was so consistent, so strong. Yeah, um, so much damage. You just pick up people that have to pick up whole units of gaunts and pick up whole units of boys. Dude, I remember veterans just don't do that anymore. The thing I, that used to make them good, they don't do. I remember playing against you and you coming down and killing two riptides with bolters, and I was like, wow. That blows. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. actually more of a combat unit now, ironically. Actually, like they're so. actually if you yeah. actually take them with them some um a black shield in there and, and some cool like combat weapons and go in with I don't know, maybe you do some stuff in, in combat. But then the problem is you can't fight twice anymore. Did you I say don't know, the, I just did you say the black shield gets an extra attack if it has two melee weapons? Uh yeah, if you look at the bottom of the page it says if the black shield is good with two melee weapons, it attacks characteristic increases to four. Can they take? Can they take uh, lightning claws? Yes, they can. So that would make them six attacks, seven attacks on the charge with yep. lightning. <laughs> okay, yep. that's pretty good. So you just you and just you know, take, uh, so yeah. yeah, you take a melee unit that has a watch sergeant with two lightning claws, a black shield with two lightning claws. Everyone else has a as a your gun of choice in a storm shield, um, and that's actually. Well, and then you can also um you can also mastercraft the sergeant's lightning exactly claws, making two damage. Two damage, man. That's actually spicy. That is not a bad. It's, it's actual spicy. It is. It's spi- It's spicy. Except we haven't looked at the like when we look at the outriders later. 
Like, it makes these guys look bad. Anyway, you want to tell us about Kill Team Cassius. Now, Kill Team Cassius, I don't think it's worth going into too much detail about because it's, it's actually going to take us a year to dissect it. Okay, it, that's, fair. that's fair if you want to dodge it because it is a... Yeah, I mean, it comes... It's basically, for those that don't know, it's a predetermined Kill Team that it basically... It's kind of like the nine... Or the, is it the eight? Yes. The, the towel? Yeah, yeah. And they all yeah. have a very incohesive random amount of armaments that if you're a fluff player, you really enjoy the hell out of. If you're looking for consistency on the table, it's an awful choice. Um, on top of that, what's the points for this unit? It's a 260-point unit. I'm not quite sure if that's just on the nose with all that stuff. Um, they get, they get, I believe they get a little discount. They get a discount on their Aquila, Aquila kill team that they get for free is, I believe, free. Okay. So they actually they get a discount, which is interesting. Um, and some people might just have this unit they painted up and they just have this WYSIWYG kill team Cassius. Mm-hmm. It's cool, but unfortunately, it, it just has no like coherent um, kind of thing to do. Yeah. Like, like literally three quarters of the time, two thirds of the unit aren't going to do anything. Um, and that's just the truth of it. It's just not a very inefficient way of making a kill team. That is still a 200, 260 points, quite expensive. All right, jumping over, um, you want to talk, talk to us about Terminators a little bit? You don't, you don't truly need to read this out because everyone knows what a, there's nothing here. They, they can't take anything up other than what regular Terminators can. That's not even a special issue ammo option for the Terminators, which I find quite disappointing. But um, Yeah, what, I uh, think the Terminators, you just the, the relevance of them is the, including them in a Proteus kill team. Agreed. Um, which if you take a Proteus kill team, you, you're going to include some Terminators. You used to take Terminators that used to tank for the Proteus kill team Sorry, it wasn't called a Proteus kill team. It was just called a kill team. Kill team yeah. Back then, you would use Terminators to to be the tanks um, on small arms fire, and then the three-up involved storm shields would tank the heavy arms fire. Mm-hmm. Now the role's reversed. Now you use the veterans with the storm shields to tank the heavy arms fire, yep. potentially. Um, sorry, you t- use them to tank potentially small arms fire because they've still got a top save. Exactly. And then the... Storm Shield, Thunderhammer Terminators that have a one-up armor save, they actually tank the AP two shots. Yeah, which is it doesn't make any sense, but that's the that's it's the a, it's, it's reversed. It's interesting, but to be honest with you, it's very expensive. It doesn't shoot very well. Yep. Um, I don't think it's potentially viable unless, and the and the only caveat to this is unless there just happens to be a lot of AP dash. Or AP one shooting in. If there's a lot of AP one shooting in the game, mm-hmm. and then you can go, oh, I'm just going to take my Thunderhammer Stormshield Terminators taking two ups. Yep, that's good. Because um, yeah, remember how me and you used to play, and you, you had AP one shooting with Ignore's yeah. cover, and it used to shred my kill teams. Yep, yep. That I wouldn't see. shred them now and because Talon now Master. I'd have a two up. Sammy and two Talonmasters was worth a kill team a turn. It's like yum. Yeah, yum, you just yum. yeah. Whereas now that wouldn't happen. But the, the difference is though. That I just don't think with salamanders being a thing, I think people they being having saturating AP ones not enough. Like even Necron players, they're choosing yeah. the short range Gauss the option. Short range for the next exactly right. Um, so the, the, what annoys me about this is I wish there were a truly customizable um, Terminator of an ilk of a, a Wolf Wolfguard Terminator, where you can take a, a Stormbolter Storm Shield. You can take a Lightning Claw Storm Shield. You can take whatever you like and that Storm Shield rather than being locked into the, the Thunderhammer Storm Shield. Locked into yeah, if you could take a Storm it, Shield and a cheap, just a club, like a exactly. Mad Maul or a sword, that would be really cool because then, then it really is a tanking model. 
Exactly right. Um, and you don't need to like charge it into something to get the mileage out of that huge points investment. But anyway, Mummy, jumping over to the bike squads, because you are a big fan of the space, the regular Space Marine bikers. How do you feel about the Death Watch ones? I actually like them um, for the same reason I like the Space Marines. That they're, they're not that much more expensive. Like they're, they're a, few, a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you are paying more, but you are getting more from them in the sense that you're getting um, the extra attack, which is pretty, pretty relevant. Um, yep. And also what's relevant is the fact that they have the sergeant that could, that can take artificer armor and a storm shield. Yep. So, so I, you I, can actually have a, I don't think they are paying more, man. I think it's 30 points per model all, both ways. Yeah, I think, yeah, it is. I don't, okay. It's 30 points per model. So you're just getting extra attack for free. Is that correct? Yeah. And you're getting the ability to, to take a upgrade your sergeant. And I think the fact that you could go like a sergeant with artificer armor, storm shield or combat shield. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think you can take a combat shield whatever. Like, Either way, he's got a one-up save. So you have a, a bike unit, a big bike unit that normally would only have three-up saves, except you've got a guy in there with a one-up save. That's pretty cool. I, I reckon one unit, one of those units with that comp, with that sergeant is actually very strong. Yeah, I don't mind that at all because it's got a bunch of ablative wounds or in inverse, it's got a guy you can tank for the rest of them. Um, I do like attack bikes as well. And uh, you can have you know one attack bike attached to the squad also. And I feel like three dudes with one attack bike um, can get a lot of work done. I mean, on the charge, you just give them a start. chainsaws, then they got they got four attacks each on the charge, five attacks on the the sergeant. That's actually not a not a terrible amount of. Um, and these guys can also go into assault doctrine on turn two a lot easier. Say this is a great way oh, of spamming yeah. a bunch of AP two like turn one, turn two charges. I reckon they're pretty. In- and what's also interesting about them, um, I mean, yeah, I just feel like they they just that extra attack is very relevant on a unit that I, I liked them because they had the chainsawed. Mm. Um, for the AP one, so now these guys have the same, but they've got the extra attack. They have the tank. They're just they're just better. I think yeah. I think one unit of these with the sergeant is almost you would want to take it in your unit on your army. I think. Well, it's a good it's a good clear of other people's objectives, and it's also a good thing to go and um just be an annoying prick, really. <laughs> All right. So the last one for us uh, in this whole book now is the Corvus Blackstar. So this thing is the uh, the big ugly or pretty. Uh, flyer as you as you look at it at the eye of the beholder. I actually quite like it. Um, it reads as such on its top profile. Uh, strength six, so we- sorry, weapon skill six, um, blitz skill three plus. Strength eight for some ridiculous reason. Why why the hell does it need to be strength eight? Toughness seven, 14 wounds, three attacks, leadership eight, three plus save. It comes equipped with two Black Star rocket launchers and a twin assault cannon. The Black Star rocket launchers read as thus. Range 30, heavy 2d3, strength five, minus one, one damage, blast. And it's got two of those. So it's a 4d3 per turn. It also has a, a twin assault cannon we all know what that is um it has uh the options to be equipped uh with either a twin assault cannon or a twin las cannon we know what that is as well this can ha- this uh, can have their two black sh- black star rocket launchers replaced with two storm strike missile launchers which is the same that come on a storm raven i believe and that is range 72 heavy one strength eight minus three three damage and it can be equipped with one Inferno, inferno halo launcher or one auspex array and those are the uh inferno halo launcher is each time a range attack made by an aircraft model is allocated to the bearer, add one to any armor save. So it's plus one save against anything coming in from another aircraft. And the other one is each time the bearer makes a range attack, the target does not receive the benefits of cover against that attack. So that is both benefits of cover. So that is the benefits of cover, also the plus one to hit. Um, now, it has Angels of Death, of course. It has Airborne, um, that being um, it flies, and you know, it can only fight things that fly. Supersonic, 
Um, so it makes a normal move with all the pivots and goodness. Hard to hit, so the minus one to hit. Hover jet, so it can hover. It explodes, of course, and it has a Black Star cluster launcher. In your movement phase, after this model has made a normal move or advanced, you can select one enemy unit this model has moved across as part of that move. If you do, roll one D6 for each, D6 for each model in the unit, up to 10 D6. The enemy unit suffers one, one mortal wound for each result of a six, so it's a bomb up to 10 dice that you can drop, and each six is a model. And it also has a transport capacity of 12 models. Each biker model takes up the space of three models, and it cannot transport Primaris. I really wish they would drop the non-transporting Primaris stuff. That just annoys me. But, Jez, any love well, for the Black Star? I don't mind it. I actually think you wouldn't... I, I don't think you would take it with the Laz Cannons and Missile Launchers. The Laz Cannons no. and Missile Launchers. I think if you're going to take it, you take it with the Black Star launches and the, the Soul Cannon. Then it's got 12 shots plus 4D3. And mm-hmm. in the case of a big, you know, when you're shooting at a, a unit with 11 or more models, then the blasts is just doing flat 6 each. So that's 12 plus 12, so 24 shots. Of course. And sorry, it can also have one Hurricane Bolter as well. So it's another 12 yeah. shots. Of that. Yeah. So we look at dude, that's 36 like shots. Yeah. Like that's, that's quite a lot, that many shots. The, so you got, um, just the one, yeah. So thirty-six shots, pretty solid. You know, going to get doctrines. Um, even though things are weird, like it's got rapid fire and heavy. This is the type of you know guy you might pop the strat on to get uh, doctrines on on both to get mm-hmm. encounters being both doctrines. But either way, I feel like um, I mean you probably wouldn't pop that. Let's be honest, just for the heavy hurricane uh. bolter. But it's still very good, and this is a reason. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how many how many points is that base one coming at. So it's 180 plus 15 for the um, 15 for the hurricane, and then of course you would take the ignores cover five. It's five points to get ignores cover all so cover, which is plus flat. one to hit. Yeah, so 200 flat for a hurricane bolter and a soul cannon and um, all the black stars. Um, I I feel like that's about right for what you're getting, but I still don't know if it makes sense in this army. I mean, the, you just reeled off something that's a very good horde clearer. I'm not. I'm of the opinion Death Watch don't struggle with horde clearing still. Well, they historically didn't. And to be honest, the, the way, if you're going to take the kill teams that come down with the IRRs and stuff, you're, you're not struggling against board. Um, yeah. So I, I think I think it's it's interesting. If you've got the model, that new stratagem is cool because you can play it and you can have fun with it and it's not going to die. It's got a transport mm-hmm. capacity so you can put some guys in it and then put, shoot them over onto an objective. Um, you know, there's things you could do, but it's not not great. I feel like it's not great. I feel like if you if you use one, use only the one. Please never take more than one because they will just die. Whichever one you don't make untargetable is just dead. But um, that brings us to the end. We've gone cover to cover in this bad boy. Uh, so, Jez, it's time for us to look at it in a package as a whole and get, give us some thoughts. The first one, are you happy with this book and how excited are you for it? Um, I am happy with it. Um, I think it's a, it's a good Death Watch book. It, it, it puts them in. I think what GW did by incorporating them with Space Marines is was smart, and it just meant mm. that the power of Marines gets inherited by all the all the um, affiliated chapters. So just because Marines are now obviously quite strong, it means Death Watch just by virtue of that just picked that up as well. I don't think yep. they really lose anything from Marines. I, there's obviously some restrictions they can't do, but I really feel like they only gain. They're only just they just gain things over Marines and. Mm. I feel like they are very strong. I think the kill teams are excellent. Being able to to, to basically blend those units together, outriders and intercessors, um, and then you've obviously got your heavy intercessors and aggressors and things like that. All really the, powerful. Yeah, all the yeah. Oh, yeah, all the gravis kill team. I think that's excellent. So I think they've gained a lot. 
a lot of very fun, flavorful things. So many like cool stratagems and warlord traits and, and relics. Mm. That when you combine them, you just can sit there working out your, you know, your little how what your chapter master is going to be, what your smash captain is going to be. All yeah. those things are just such a fun process. Oh, dude, I feel like it's so exciting. I feel like these are the most customizable characters we've seen in the game um, in a very long time, and I, I'm excited for the things that they can do. Like you can, you're not going to be, they're not hero hammer. You still can't get a, get a density of characters that make the make the things you know a, a truly hard to handle. Um, thing as it of the nuke of what you know blood angels used to be you plug in three smash captains and all of a sudden it turns off some archetypes against you they just you just can't lose against them these guys have really f- funny flavorful things that you can do to make a significant impact against trouble armies and i feel like that's a that's exactly what they should be they should be specialists at killing x they should be specialists at smashing into y and winning and it really feels like they've done justice to it so w- give us a rating yeah so internally how good do you think this book is out of 10 like, do you um, think GW knocked it out of the park for Death Watch players? Or do you I feel like this is a pass? Or I a pass being high? Yeah, I think it's obviously high. I'd give it an eight internally. Um, yeah. A very high result. I think the only thing it's missing is just a couple of, like, little little things. Like, I, I don't feel like, for example, the, the Codician Notorian, um, you know, the, yeah, what the, the Captain Artemis, these guys could just be have a little bit more love. Um mm-hmm. And I, I think there's just tiny things like that. But in terms of the rest of it, I do think there's just a couple of small things that were missed, but overall, very good. Oh, dude, I give it an 8 out of 10 as well. And the reason I don't give it higher is because the lack of special issue ammo and the fact that I feel like, unlike a lot of other books where the Firstborn stuff actually feel like it got stronger in the transition through stuff, through the extra wound, I feel like for Death Watch specifically, their Firstborn stuff stayed the same or got worse, which I think is a quite an interesting concept considering i feel like across the board like you know when was the last time you talked about vanguard vets they're phenomenal now you know um, so yeah it's it, i feel like yeah I've, they lo- it loses two points for that had, had they had more special issue ammo or the ability to buy it purchase it customize it onto stuff there's a nine and if the firstborn stuff was almost was comparable to the primary stuff there's a 10 but um dude how where do you think death watch fit in the meta are they a, are they a c a b an a and s where do you think they sit right now well obviously i mean i'm not down in Victoria, we're not playing so many, so many games, even though we've opened up. I'm not super, super aware of the, the diverse matter internationally, but I feel mm-hmm. like what, I, what I'm what i seeing, what I'm looking at, I feel like the army has the definitely the capacity to be an A-list army. Whether I can say it's S-tier, it's hard to say, but I feel like it can field an extremely powerful list that plays mm-hmm. the, the way that, similar to Necrons, Necrons are powerful because the way they want to play suits the, pri- the primary-centric missions. I feel like yep. Death Watch also play a way that suits the primary centric missions. If the missions format changes, the power might change. But I do yep. feel in the current mission format, they are a a potentially an S tier army. We'll have to see about that. I think they're minimum an A plus, and I think it's yet to be determined whether they're an S. But the fact is, I think this is the most flexible and customizable Space Marine chapter we have right now. And seeing as there's like two Space Marine chapters in S tier right now, I, I can't see them not being somewhere in there. But the minimum is an A plus to me. But yeah, dude, that just means it's a very good book. A Death Watch player should be extremely excited because I feel like this is a lot to disseminate, a lot to enjoy. And you can play a different Death Watch. Like, you can play Death Watch 100 games this year and play like a different army with the same models for most of them, like by tweaking one or two little things in your construction. These guys are going to get the upgrade and kill team. Like These guys aren't. The, good, the cool thing for Death Watch players is that they've gained an identity that now means exactly. they're, now, they're now considered a chapter extension, just yeah. like Blood Angels, Dark Angels. People might yeah. wonder, well, what is that, given that they lost special ammo? And I think the answer is that they gained 
kill teams. Identity. It's kill, it's the mixed squads and it's the mm. chapter specialization adaptability and Xenos hunters. So yeah. being Xenos adaptable Xenos hunters that they're not as good in combat as Blood Angels. They're not as steadfast and shooty as Dark Angels or Imperial Fists. But they have this little niche that really makes them interesting. And I think Death Watch will endure. I don't think they're going to take them out of the game. I think they're going to keep them. We might lose Proteus kill teams next edition, but Death Watch, yeah. are, I think, are alive and well for sure. Absolutely right. Anyway, all right, we are going to wrap up this part one. Thank you so much, Jez. I think that, like, I'm really happy we got to do that book in one go, and I feel like we did it just as well. Like, we talked about the meaty stuff when it was meaty. We skipped over the stuff that didn't impact or we feel like it's not going to be really noticeable. Hopefully, you guys have enjoyed coming along for us for this ride. We're going to go over to part two. We're going to write some lists. We're going to talk about some crazy-ass lists that me and Jez have been talking over and been cooking, and we're going to start piecing together how Death Watch play on the on the battlefield, how we think they're going to function, where they're going to fall down, where they're going to strive, where they're going to be fantastic. If you would like to listen to that or to get this episode's over a week early, jump over to Patreon and search for Art of War, one word, underscore, down under, also one word. Um, and dude, thank you so much, Jez. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Anything you'd like to say before we part ways? No, thanks for having me, Adam. It's always a pleasure. And thank you to all the viewers that make this possible. Might see you on the tables. Beautiful. All right. We'll see you there, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under. A content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow. Tomorrow.